Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. It's episode 542, and I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. There you go. Boom. We're still, right into it. Right? Yeah, still, still David Dedrick. Even, uh, but there is a subtle change to you, as is opposed it? to the last couple of weeks. Oh, that's right. Yes. It's one last... small thing. It's in your uh, blood. Mm-hmm. Your blood has changed. I'm Certain back... levels are raised. <laughs> that's right. I'm back on sugar. You're back on the sugar. That's right. Lent is spent. Lent is over. Easter is on its keister. <laughs> the popular expression. That's right. <laughs> Easter on its keister. Good Friday, bye-bye day. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, how was your Easter? It was very nice. And was... what was your first uh, sugar uh, uh, to break the uh, fast of Lent? Oh, man, that's a good question. I th- Lickamade? <laughs> Just a big thing of Lickamade? <laughs> that's right. I, I got the jumbo variety pack of Lickamade. Nice. It has a just double fist and pixie sticks. It's a twelve-inch lick lick lickum stick that you have to like, kind of. Well, it's really quite awkward to use, actually. Okay, it's quite big. It's about Dave's doing a lot of mime right now for me. <laughs> it's, it's Let a... me know he doesn't know what twelve inches is as well, because <laughs> this thing is at least a couple of yards that he's now doing. Well, yeah, no, I might have been I might have been underselling it. It's quite large, yeah. It's a very big thing, and so yeah, it's a variety yeah. pack. In fact, I, what, what flavor was it? All of them. It was all the flavors. Yeah, it was together. all the flavors. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a variety pack. The swamp, swamp water variety. <laughs> so, pack. No, I can't remember now. Actually, I, you know, I dreamed of having ice cream. That was my like big, big I think want. That's a Canadian movie called uh, starred uh, starring Sheila McCarthy. Really? Yeah, from the uh, from the early nineties. See, what's it called? I dreamed of having ice cream. I dreamed of having ice cream. Yeah. Oh. And then okay. she finds out. I think she's gay. I think that's what it is. Mm. Like, I dreamt of having ice cream, and now I like ladies. Sounds, sounds like a Canadian movie. That's a Canadian movie, and she flies <laughs> through it for some reason as well. Because that's also a Canadian movie. Very Canadian movie. Whether it's a Sheila McCarthy movie or a movie about Winnipeg in the wintertime, yeah. uh, someone's going to be flying. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was dreaming about having ice cream. Okay. That was my, my biggest want. Ice cream and a Slurpee. And, and when you woke up, the what was missing? <laughs> <laughs> when I woke up. Strangely enough, the bathroom fixtures. Mm. I don't know what happened. Okay. Oh, because we're doing Renos still. Okay, fair enough. Anyhow, um, I uh, I didn't have ice cream. I have yet to have ice cream, but I did have a Slurpee on the Sunday. Nice. And which it was okay, but I felt I kind of wasted it because when I get a Slurpee, I like to like sit and watch TV or something, like do something enjoyable. What did you do? I, I'm just making um, potato scalloped potatoes for dinner. Because mm. it was Sunday. We had the girls over for, for Easter dinner. Okay. So I made cheesy scalloped potatoes. Nice. And then I, I cooked the ham. Lisa made a rice and broccoli dish. I think that was it. I was going to make some carrots, and then I forgot. So that was that. that oh, and I also made a lemon meringue pie. Very nice. Was it a glazed ham? No. Okay. I don't think so. What do you do to your ham? What's your put ham? It, put it in the oven. And that's just nothing on it? Nothing on it. Just straight ham? Straight ham. Bake it. <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing no glaze no mm. what's yeah. a, what does a glaze do uh, it's just what people do to ham they oh, usually okay. put something on a on on meat oh i mean you can put chicken in the oven as well with nothing on yeah, it either, yeah. but people don't you put stuff on it <laughs> sometimes yeah it's just normal it's very rare to put nothing on your meat and then put that in the oven and just let it get hot <laughs> right that's just hot meat 
Hey, what are we having tonight? Hot meat. Oh, nice. A whole family recipe. <laughs> I took. I chose a bad moment to take a drink. <laughs> That's okay. A nice cold drink. That's I fine. was laughing and also holding. Which happened to me during the Aristocrats that movie. Oh, I took a sip and then R.I.P. The... Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, R.I.P. Gilbert. And it was one of the funniest parts of the movie, and I was laughing really hard. But I had this uh, mouthful of of Coke as well. It was a very very clever juggling trick on my part. That I was right. laughing and also maintaining. Stopping myself from choking to death. Who was the guy who did not find it funny and wanted to sue? It was the uh, it was the guy who had a talk show uh, where it was like a room full of uh, it was covered in papers. Joe something, and he used to be portrayed on Saturday Night Live by Billy Crystal. And, uh, and oh, oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, he's like a he's like a New York cable access guy. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, for the unleavened experience of a lifetime. Oh, because of uh, because of um, Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he did not find that funny at all, and wanted to sue, and was like, eh, "I don't think you're getting the point of the movie. I don't think you're getting it." And uh, and there you are. Too bad. I know who you mean, but I can't remember his name. I would I used to know these things. Yeah. By the way, enough uh, comedians that I like from uh, the 80s uh, passing away now. We're done with that. Mm. We're done with uh, Louis Anderson passing away. We're done with Gilbert Godfrey passing away. We're done with Bob Saget passing away. We're done. We're done with Kevin Meany passing away. We're done. Kevin Meany passed away. Kevin Meany passed away. We're done. We're done with it. Enough. Stop it. Settle down. I suppose they're at the age where that's going to be a... Are they, though? Like they, they're in well, the, I would imagine like the they, late sixties is is of the age. I don't think the late sixties. If they were eighties comics, they would. I would assume they'd be like by the time they were like hitting the height, they'd be in their kind of thirties in the in the late at least by the late eighties. Well, let's see. How old was Kevin Meany? I feel like yeah, Bob. Uh, let's see, Bob Saget was born in fifty six. Well, he had. I mean, he had the. His wasn't like age. He hit his head. Yeah, yeah. And well, it no, went no, untreated. Most of these people he, have something. Yeah, know, but something. That, his was like an accident. It wasn't like a disease or or an age-related like heart uh-huh. attack or something. So they're still dying, and I want them to knock it off. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I would, well, like, uh, I would like that all to stop. Hear that universe? Yeah, I want that to uh, to quit, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it whatsoever. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he, uh, Gilbert Godfrey passed away at sixty-seven. Yes. Let's see. Pretty young. Yeah, that's way too young. Uh, let's see, uh, Lou, how about Louis Anderson? When did he? Uh, when did he pass away? Well, I'm getting a football player. That's not who anyone wants when they say <laughs> Louis Anderson. Maybe you spelled it wrong. Maybe I. Maybe I did. Anyway, uh, the the thing is, if you're a comedian, you got to live a long time. You got to do the old uh, Bob Hope, uh, George Burns. Okay. You know, maybe too long. Live a little too long, <laughs> and people uh, get a little bothered by it. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, uh, Louis Anderson was uh, 68. So well, we're getting uh, we're getting kind of a pattern here. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Meany, not the Gaelic footballer, thank you very much, <laughs> was uh, age 60. Boo. Oh, that's really young. Yeah. yeah. Boo. 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 boo all that's the way not around. too far off our 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 age. So. Yeah. Trust me. Like when I, I that seems think, young. If I was 20, I'd be like, well, you know, 60. Yeah. When you get to live that old, of course you're going to die. Yeah. For the most part, unless you know, it used to be like unless. You know, some random disease did sneak up on you, or you know, you really enjoyed uh, drugs. Uh, as a comedian, you would live a long, 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 long time. You know, you'd, you'd stick around. I guess it's probably not the healthiest lifestyle, though, for like a touring comedian. There's a lot of eating meals in hotels or le- eating at odd hours. Your sleep habits would be kind of uh, kind of hit and miss. But then you get someone. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Milton Berle, ninety three. 
Yes. That guy, come on. But he was entirely supported by his enormous penis near the end of his life. That was That's all right. that was keeping him and alive. And if there's any diseases, they would just go to the penis. <laughs> they would just go to his penis, which would, you know, just, would just, was so apparently so large, it could just encompass any any kind of difficulties of life, you know, yeah. including He wrote it off aging. as a, a dependent, so it was like a, a good tax break yeah. as well. Yeah. He was mixed up between the word dependent and pendant was the problem, but yeah. What a weird situation to be like, uh, you know, the family-friendly comedian, mm-hmm. the and also, yes. coincidentally, uh, king of the big dick jokes. He <laughs> seems to be what he's best known for now. Like, right. his, the comedy didn't really last. Like no, the, you never see like the Milton Berle show. No one's gonna, no one's gonna be like talking Unless about that. Unless they kinescoped it, but I don't think they did, so they didn't record it. Because why would you? Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't. It that was the only way to record a show back then. Yeah, but most of them were kinescope because they would play on the West Coast after they were. They would be live on the East Coast okay. and then and then. Well, they just didn't keep them. It's possible they erased them, or or no one cares about them. Well, that's I another. Mean, we live in a world. They're at the uh, of infinite channels. They're at the television museum. Yeah, but we live in a world of infinite channels. Like uh, mm-hmm. there must be a channel, like an obscure channel, sure. that's called just the fifties <laughs> that would just play, you know, Crusader Rabbit. Yeah, yeah I'm that. sure. I'm sure there is, but we just no, we don't care about it, so we don't know about it. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. What's that? Yeah, I wonder. It's just weird. It's it, weird that there would be something weird. that people would have that would not be on television. They would well, go like, listen, like, that no one's interested in that. Yeah. Like, li- we live in a world where everything is on. <laughs> like, it's weird to me. Sometimes if I look up something on YouTube and it's not there. Yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, not at all. How do you? It's, it's also <laughs> like, if, if, say, there was a friend from high school or someone that you used to know, and you look them up online and, like, they got no presence online. And you're like, how do you do that? I just assume they're they've passed away. Well, even so, even passing away, like passing should away, be an like, obituary, yeah, yeah, passing away early, mm. you know, maybe, but like even so, huh? Yeah, just like nothing, like oof, bupkis. It's very well, strange. I won't say his name, but a mutual Footlights friend. Uh, I've never been able to track him down online. Mm. He has no, he doesn't exist. I don't know. I don't know where what happened to him. I have. Feeling where he was going when I knew him near when we stopped hanging around together, mm-hmm. I feel like he's like living on some con- like some crazy commune somewhere out in the interior or on one of the islands, and uh, you know just he just has zero interest in being part of the online world. You know, it's weird to me. Like um, there's a couple of comedians I knew, and I hope that's what's happened. I hope so, too. and that he's not gone from this. Yeah, but planet. even so, yeah, you would think like an obituary, mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a couple of comedians who were very popular locally and kind of nationally, you know, uh, when I was starting off and, you know, and, uh, nothing about them now. Like nothing. You can't find, you can't find word one. And that's just so strange. That is to very me. strange, like, especially if someone who is popular. Yeah, but popular live for the most part. Oh, okay. And, and, okay. But, I, but they'd appear on things like, you know, uh, Punchlines was a local uh, comedy club, yeah. and Yuck Yucks, of course, is a national, international comedy club. Yeah, and both of them had TV series. series. Mm. Mm. Uh, and you can't find any episodes of either of those shows on on online at all either, which is weird. It's just weird that like nothing. You can't find nothing, and, so, and I would think like if mm. if if there were episodes of those that were on, yeah, you'd see a lot of uh, comics from around that time when I was starting, but like. No presence whatsoever. And if I look them up, the only mention often is just me talking about them and asking, has anyone heard about? 
What's going on? Just a big echo chamber. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, I hear them. Oh, it's me. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, uh, just thinking about the shows, I wonder if there's like some sort of licensing issues where they didn't get the necessary paperwork signed so they don't have the rights to repeat these these broadcasts, you know, so they're just kind of, it's kind of like what happened, SCTV, for years, you couldn't get it on, on DVD or anything. Because of the music rights. Because the music rights were a problem, but also there were other, some, there were some other little tricky things that were, were an issue. So they had you to know, like, like, one of the funniest comedians uh, in uh, Vancouver and in Canada was Erwin Barker, there's a guy. You sure. Know, and, uh, and there was even a documentary about him, That's My Time, about him getting cancer. Yeah. It was a very good documentary. Um, and he was on like all these different Canadian shows. Sure, he was on the debaters, find, badly off in all directions. Yeah, try to find video of the guy. Mm. Like, try to find that. It's just nope. Must and be audio though of him. Maybe, but where do you find audio? Like, well, if you went to CBC, like madly off in all directions. Okay. And look back through their archives, which I'm sure they have archives for them. Possibly, okay. But when I have looked him up, that has not popped up. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. You know, there's people like uh, Monty Cohen. You know, who's also a very funny comic, or, or you know, no one was bigger when I started off than uh, Colin Campbell, and mm-hmm. you know, it's another yeah. guy who unfortunately had a problem with uh, with drugs and uh, you know passed away f- from them. Uh, but yeah, he was on all all the stuff. And again, uh, the other thing I'm, I'm missing out on here is there was uh, a couple of TV shows in town. Uh, they ran consecutively. One was the Alan Thicke show. Yeah. And then, well, before then, there was the Alan Hamill show. Yes. Alan Hamill uh, was the husband of Suzanne Summers and her manager. Yeah. And gave her the good advice of, uh, you know, uh, leave Three's Company. <laughs> anyway, um, that didn't work out good. Uh, but he was also a talk show host yeah. here. Yeah. And they uh, took off to uh, L.A. for him to give her more good advice. Um, and then he was replaced by Alan Thicke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Alan Thicke was given the good advice of, hey, you know what? You could beat Carson. So you should go and you should do an American show where mm. you do this show. Mm-hmm. And you beat Carson. Coincidentally, Gilbert Gottfried was one of the sidekicks on that show. I didn't know that. Yeah. One of his uh, ba- band of uh, band of zanies. Oh. They, call they were the zanies. That's a terrible. Yep. Terrible. Yep. You're not wrong. <laughs> I can already see some problems with this show. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> Gilbert had already been... Uh, uh, the replacement cast on Saturday Night Live, and that didn't work out great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's the Alan Thick show here, and then it was the Don Heron show, and Don Heron was best known for being Charlie Farkasen, uh, this kind of guy on yeah. Hee Haw. And so all of them had shows where they would have international comedians on, uh, yeah. and then they would also have local comedians on. Yes. So every one of those shows was just packed with people who were like local doing, doing stand up. Mm-hmm. And try to find clips of any of those shows at all. Can't, yeah. can't do it. Well, prob- probably bulk erased to save on tape. Oh, that just drives me bananas. It was terrible. So short sighted. Because most of my, yeah. yeah, most of my career, you know, is gone from bulk erasing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, as we learned once upon a time, uh, same thing almost happened to Python. Almost. Someone phoned them and told them, "Get down here. Yeah, they're going to erase your shows." They went down there and they basically bought their their shows for the price of the the video tape. You want to go like how much was the price of videotape? It was like a hundred dollar, like a hundred dollars. Yeah, I know, which seems like nothing, yeah. but I guess if you're like you a, would lose an episode of Monty Python forever. Not just that, you but get a hundred bucks, which would be yeah. you know whatever, like sixty pounds or something. You know, It'd be. Uh, but what's sadder is like a lot of like the formative comedy before that time disappeared too. Like the um, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore's show is gone. You know, uh, Spike Milligan's shows, all his Q, yeah. Q series are all, all bulk erased. 
and of course Doctor Who and stuff like that. It just it seems in retrospect, of course, it seems like so crazy. But at the time, there was no sense of these had any value, any saleable value. That you know, that was a time when things you saw them once and they were gone forever. You know, yeah. and that was what life was like. You know. Let, let me tell you, by the way, on a completely side note, because uh, I'm just looking up Thick of the Night and uh, among his zanies. Yes, here are some of his zanies. Now, this is uh, uh, the show ran from '83. To 84. I'm not going to tell you all the zanies. Oh, oh, man, what a show. What? 83 to 84. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, theme music composed by Alan Thicke and David Foster. Mm. Uh, and Fred Silverman was behind uh, it all. Um, okay, so the <laughs> zanies, which are his uh, band of uh, comedy wackies. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Beltzer. Okay, good. good. Uh, Arsenio Hall. What? Rick Dukeman. Okay. Charles Fleischer. Yep. Gilbert Gottfried. Chloe wow. Webb, who I don't know, but I should look up and I probably would. would I think it sounds her. familiar for some reason. It sounds yeah. very familiar. Yeah. And Fred Willard. Fred Willard. Yeah, that's a good bunch of that's zanies. That's a great bunch of zanies. Yeah. If zanies wasn't such a terrible term for that. Uh... Yeah, Chloe Webb was in, well, it says she was in uh, Sid and Nancy. Oh, okay, okay. I know Chloe Webb. Sure, sure. Okay. She plays. She plays Nancy in it. Oh, is she Nancy? Yeah. Oh, there you go then. Yeah, yeah. No, she's a good actress. So Nancy was, uh, yeah, and she was also secretary uh, in Remington Steel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In '83, same same year it looks like. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what year did uh, what year did Gilbert Gottfried uh, take over and Saturday Night Live, and then everyone uh, hated them. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when that was. Let's take a look. That was no, that's films, uh, television, uh, uh, eighty to eighty one. Yeah. 80 to 81. Yeah. And how he described it was when uh, he took over from the original cast was, you know, imagine uh, people love the Beatles. And they said, okay, here's the new Beatles. <laughs> Four different guys. <laughs> it's like, ah, that's what we were. Yeah. We were the new Beatles. Boo. Everyone hated them. Now people are used to the idea. Yes. They were the unfortunate victims of being the first, the first ones. After that, everyone was fine with it. They're like, Eddie Murphy's hilarious. But if Eddie, even if Eddie Murphy had been in that first group, he probably wouldn't have been like anywhere near as popular. You know. Yeah, even. and I think I've mentioned this before, but the guy who auditioned Eddie Murphy, I worked with on a show called Big Sound. Okay. And he would like tell stories about Saturday Night Live, which mm. for some reason, and listen, I'll I love a story about Saturday Night Live. I don't, you know, I, I, again, I was at a weird place in my life. My my dad was passing away, mm-hmm. uh, and I was writing with uh, my partner at the time, Roger. Uh, and his dad was passing away okay. to the point where like people thought we were lying about it <laughs> because it sounded like a joke that we were both like trying yeah, yeah. to top each other with our dad's passing away stories. It was like that kind of dark environment. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he would tell stories about Saturday Night Live. And I, and again, it's so weird to me. Like now I'd just be like, no, tell me more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was the guy who uh, Eddie Murphy auditioned for. He came in and uh, whoever was the, uh, the, the producer at the time, I forget her name. Uh, she was busy. And so like, okay, just talk, do your bit for him. And so mm. he, he did his stand-up routine for this guy. Yeah. Guy went, yeah, it's funny. You should, uh, you should hire him. Uh, okay, fine. And they hired Eddie Murphy because uh, he said, yeah, you should hire Eddie Murphy. And this is a guy I worked with. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to that podcast with um, David Spade and Dana, Dana Carvey. Fly on the wall. Fly on the wall. It, Fly um, on the interrupting the wall. On talk, talking to you over each other. <laughs> They're such brothers. They're such brothers. It's so weird. I guess, I guess that's just part of their chemistry. Yeah, that's right. 
They, they make well, it work. I got a question. They make it work. Yeah. They make it work. They make whatever it is work. Yeah. Um, it seems like you're getting the truth. It does. It feels like you're getting these guys, what, like it or not, they don't this give a is shit. what they are. Yeah, yeah. They don't give a shit. Um, yeah. And they've still got their old grudges. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's funny. Sorry for eating uh, candy. That's okay. Saturday Night Live seems like a show that has a lot of grudges around it anyway. I'm just thinking now of Mark Maron, who you think by this point would be over it, <laughs> would be over the fact that he did not get hired for Saturday Night Live. But no, it's still it's still obviously a sticks in his craw. Yeah, he's just had can't... three seasons of his own TV show. But yeah, he's been he's in movies. movies. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but as soon as someone brings it up, he's just like, yeah, oh, no, I tried to get on that, but uh, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. But, but listening to yeah, the, you could have been Charles Rocket. <laughs> you were lucky. Uh, but if you listen to that show, it, it feels like there's not much of like a standard to what gets you on the show. You know what I mean? Like there's no, like, there's no like thing that you're like, you can be like, what can I do to get on Center Live? Nothing. Just go audition. And you might get on it, but I don't know what else to tell you because it doesn't seem like there's any set idea of what maybe mean maybe um, Lauren Michaels is looking for like a particular chemistry, and so if he has a set group in mind, then he's looking for people to kind of complement that. But it doesn't seem like he, there's any kind of reason for you to be on there. But Dana Carvey was perfect for it. Oh no, he was but only but only perfect for it. Yeah, that's the weird bit. Yeah. It's like you know uh, catchphrases. And big, broad characters that mm-hmm. would play well to a live audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like something you can repeat the next day. Like, mm-hmm. great. And now where else can you use that? We're going to do movies. Are you? <laughs> no, it's too big for movies. Too big for movies. But I think Martin Short suffers from that, too, to a degree. Like, I think... Yeah, he... except he's got uh, he's got some heart to him, I think. Mm-hmm. He can play it down a little bit. And I, I mean, I, I love a movie like Pure Luck. I think that this is that's a great film myself. But uh, I know I'm probably in a... A group of one in that opinion, but I really like that movie. But or Inner Space, is yeah. that what it's called? I think those are they're fine films, but I think you have to kind of watch them and put up with Martin Short. You know, if you don't if you don't like Martin Short, you're not going to like those movies. You're not going to be like, wow, he's really changed my opinion of there him. There is a difference, definitely, between Martin Short and Dana Carvey, and I find that difference very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Both of them feel like they came to play for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's weird when I think like, oh yeah, Martin Short was also on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. I always think of him as like an SCTV guy. Is like well, he, he is. He came in at, yeah, <laughs> but he came in at the tail end of like, you know, SCTV. Uh sort of like Rick Moranis came into SCTV when it was already kind of fully formed mm-hmm. and just went, Okay, here we go. And yeah. he was like ready to go. Like I'm loaded for bear. Let's yeah, yeah. do this. And same thing. A real shot in the arm. Yeah, a real shot. And then Martin Short was like, okay, here we go. And, you know, by the time. Which was certainly good because they had started doing the NBC show and suddenly had to fill an hour and a half and not just a half an hour. Yeah. It was good to have someone who could, you know, do some of the, some of the best stuff and also do characters in a way that wasn't, didn't feel like Saturday Night Live where you felt like it was just treading water. Like his, it seemed like they liked to develop the characters, not just have them come on and, you know, do their, their, uh, Things that we want to hear them say. Yeah, know. some two of the uh, guys catchphrases were the best classic Saturday Night Live guys. Were um, were uh, yeah, uh, what's it? Dana Carvey mm-hmm. and Billy Crystal. Both of them okay. were just like big, broad characters, repeatable catchphrases. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's that's what you do. Uh, John Lovitz to a degree, mm-hmm. though he didn't have as many characters as they. As yeah, those yeah, two did. Yeah, and if you listen to Fly on the Wall, they talk about him trying to develop characters. Yeah, and nope. 
But then, but <laughs> yeah, and then and then you get like Dana Carvey, not Dana Carvey, uh, David Spade, complaining about not being on the shows. Because yeah, what's he? What's he do? He's a bit of a personality. Yeah, yeah. He's this kind of guy. Yeah, but he's not. But that's not a character. No, I mean it's a character, but it works. It works better in the Weekend Update. You know, the Hollywood Minute kind of thing, where yeah. it was just like a series of like, you know, snide kind of comedy. Snide, snide, yeah. Sort of. But then afterwards, after Saturday Night Live is over, who's got the better career? You know, Dana Carvey or David Spade? David Spade, yeah, because he can go on to sitcoms. Because you know that kind of character works great in a sitcom. Works so he's done sitcom. a couple of sitcoms. And also, you know, he worked well. He worked well for the time with uh, Chris Farley. Yeah, they played off each other well. Same thing with like Dana Carvey though and Mike Myers. They they had like the the comedy team going. And then, you know, Spade and Farley had their comedy team going. Mm-hmm. Sadly, you know, Farley passed away. And yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. And and things didn't work right well with Wayne's World 2. So both of those partnerships kind of went. Is poof. that what happened? I don't I don't really know the story. I, I know Dana Carvey's mentioned that they they have mended the, their bridges or whatever. But yeah. Know, Dana Carvey had some issues and some ego things with uh, Wayne's World 2. Oh, and okay. Some, things and then he really blamed himself for its failure oh, afterwards okay. and yeah his heart was kind of i don't say his heart was broken because he actually had heart problems uh <laughs> but yeah he he had some real issues with that he talked about that on uh dan Harmon's podcast and okay. Uh, okay. some other stuff as well mm, and you know, dan Harmon was that's ridiculous it's not your fault at all now it kind of was it's like nah, i don't think it really was <laughs> i don't think it really anyway was. i mean you can't well I mean, it's your job as a comedian to kind of swing big in situations like that. And I mean, I guess if you whiffed, you whiffed, but it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there, I mean, that kind of, that kind of movie that Wayne's World was such a huge, at that time was such a huge, like cultural thing, like such a fluke blow, blowing up cultural thing that yeah. the, the second one was bound to disappoint. You just couldn't possibly, because the first one wasn't supposed to be a success the way it was, you know, like it's absolute luck and you can't have that kind of luck twice yeah and that was that was sort of dana carvey's only character that had any vulnerability to it mm-hmm. was garth yeah yeah just had that uh, <laughs> and you're like oh but like all the rest of his characters are shouty and it's often mean mm-hmm. and it's like okay well where does that go in a movie it doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere because we don't want to see that character in a movie okay you don't want to see a church chat movie no no there's nothing there's nothing to that you don't want to see his you know, semi-racist Chinese character movie. <laughs> I don't know the character, but okay. You know? What, uh, what do you got? You know? Did you want to see a George Bush movie? He kind of almost did that with um, the one where he was a con man, Opportunity Knocks. Okay. When he goes into a bathroom and people think he's George Bush. Oh, boy. That was rough. <laughs> I've not seen that movie. Yeah, I know. People it. really like Dana Carvey. Yeah. People like Dana Carvey. There's a lot of goodwill. Yeah, there's a lot of goodwill for Dana Carvey, mm-hmm. but it doesn't translate to a television series. It doesn't translate, you know. I, I think, you know, his best case scenario was his variety show. Mm. Uh, I don't know what you do with that. You know, they, they took a big swing off the top and had him nursing puppies. Uh, <laughs> they lost the crowd and they never got it back. Is that what happened? I don't know. What is, what is, what is it? What yeah, is he played Bill Clinton. Okay. So he was Bill Clinton. It was Bill Clinton talking about how, you know, he's a very vulnerable guy. Yeah. And then he opens his shirt and he's got multiple nipples. <laughs> and people are like, what's this? And then he grabbed some puppies and milk started coming out of his nipples. And then the puppies started nursing. And this was the first sketch out of the gate. <laughs> and, and, wow. yeah. And so I don't know what people expected, but the lead in show was Home Improvement. Mm. 
So, yeah. yeah. And so the next day, like Dana Carvey just went to the cast and just went, sorry, I, sorry, I got you all fired probably with that. Okay, bye. And then they went back to work. Yeah. It was uh, too bad. It was, it was a killer cast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Who was, who was, uh, who was in the cast of the Dana Carvey show? It's pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert. Never heard uh, of them. Yeah. Robert Smigel. Who? Yeah. There you are. The writing team was uh, Charlie Kaufman. Okay. That... From the okay. adaptation. Yeah, I know. He's, yeah, he's hilarious. Blazer, Dina Stamatopoulos. I still can't believe they haven't made a sitcom out of Synecdoche, New York. Ooh. Uh, 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 Louis C.K., who once upon a time, that was a good thing. And of course, you know, uh, Steve Carell and Stephen Gilbert were both writing uh, for the show as well. It's, uh, it's uh, Bob Odenkirk was one of the writers on the show as wow. well. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of and a bunch of ex Saturday Night ha- uh, Saturday Night Live hands. Yeah, I remember Bob Odenkirk uh, and uh, Dana Carvey uh, did a sketch called uh, "Skinheads of Maine" that was uh, oh, so so damn funny. <laughs> so just them on the porch, just saying horrible things, <laughs> real gentle gentle tone while whittling. Wrong wrong time slot, I guess, for a show like that. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it's absolutely the wrong time slot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the problem is, is like, you've, you've already locked up all those times that are good for a show like that with other shows. Like, you've got Saturday Night Live. You don't need another Saturday Night Live show on this, you know, you, you've got late night shows. You can't put another, you can't put a variety show on against the late night shows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't even work as a 10 o'clock show necessarily. I guess it's hard to see where that, where, where that fits. Yeah, I was trying to see like where, um, where the Ben Stiller show fit into this? Well, so this was uh, another, nine, but it, it didn't either though. It, yeah, I know, but uh, but the Dana Carvey show was '96, uh, and then it looks like '97 was the Ben Stiller show. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, '92 was the Ben Stiller show. Okay, so it already been through that with Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. and then '97 was the Dana Carvey show that didn't work, and then uh, uh, Bob Odenkirk went and did uh, Mister Show, yeah, and that kind of worked. It did okay, but it was People on a... People who liked comedy yeah. liked it a lot, and, but it never never did huge numbers. No, and it was a Comedy Central show, right? It wasn't... No, it was HBO. Oh, it was HBO? Okay. Which is why you got the nudity on it and could say anything. Yeah. Hmm. It had a lot of dragons at the very last episode. <laughs> You're like, why, why did the dragons show up? What's going on here? Yeah. This will make sense in about uh, <laughs> 15 years? 20 years? <laughs> no idea. Yeah, that was a hard show to, to find. Um for me, anyway. I, I, In Canada, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but you were mentioning, sorry, uh, I went on a tangent here. Uh, where, were you, where were you going when you brought up Fly on the Wall? Oh, just that I just find it, I already said it because I found I find it interesting that it doesn't feel like there's any set standards for how they hire people. Yeah. For Saturday Night Live, this, you just get... It was basically, here was the one standard up until about two years ago. Uh, anyone except Asians. Okay. No Asians. <laughs> Well, except for Rob Snyder, who was, I think, a quarter Filipino. Renownedly unfunny people. Oh, my gosh. And then Bo and Yang came on and just has been kicking so much ass. <laughs> that's good. And I was like, there you go. Whoops. That's, Whoopsie doodle. That's good. I mean, well. After 40 years, yeah, it, it, you know, it becomes an issue. It's like, well, now that's It's weird, silly. isn't it? It's beyond weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. Yeah, well, or is it? You know, if you've got basically the same, with the exception of one season, a couple of seasons, 
where they had uh, another producer. Well, they Gene had one du- season. Gene Dumania. That was the one half a season almost, and yeah. then it was like, well, we're all done. And then Dick Ebersol uh, for sports, a couple of years. Guy. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, then Lauren Michaels comes back mm-hmm. and then, and then you're kind of also going like, well, the most successful, you know, uh, person of color ever on the show wasn't in Lauren's period of time mm. at all. Yeah. You know, uh, and then there was never any of that success again, hmm. ever. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then yeah, no one, no one who was Asian at all. It's, yeah, it feels like maybe it's maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it's not. Maybe if the one guy who does the hiring is <laughs> uh, the same guy for that amount of time, maybe that's what makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's like these are the type of people he finds funny because they look like him and they are of his sense of humor. And maybe that's a problem when you don't have any variety to the hiring. This is what you get. You get no variety to the cast, <laughs> at least on the surface. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying Will Ferrell is the same as John Belushi by any means. You know, you do get a lot of different performers, but yeah. And then when you do get a black performer on the show, like a Tim Meadows, uh, he's there for ten years, or you know, or you get uh, Keenan, yeah, and he's there for I don't know what is it now, like seventeen years, eighteen years, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's strange too, isn't it? Like the only people that stay for forever. And it's just like, can you not meet anyone new? Are there no other black performers who are out there? Yeah. Because nothing against Keenan, but he is keeping other performers from the show. Yeah. You know, by being there. It's, 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 there's some oddness to it. I think once Lauren Michaels leaves, there's going to be some stories and people are going to say some things. But right now, everyone's still got their reverence for the, for the fella. It's amazing to me that there hasn't been more controversy over him in any capacity like anyone in showbiz who's been around that long that's uh that's that's interesting mm. yeah i guess he keeps a closed inner circle of people around him that i can't imagine that he's the only one who hires so he must have like a group of producers who make recommendations on, on when you're the guy who's been running the ship and that ship has been notorious in the past for cocaine use yeah you would think like there in the was- time when that was a shrug in the culture. What are you talking about? The, the seven, late 70s. Well, I'm also talking like Chris Farley and stuff. Okay. You know? Yeah. That was a, that was a thing like when I was reading Bob Odenkirk's book. And, and you know, people would ask Bob Odenkirk, is there still cocaine? Is there still this kind of stuff? And it's like, no, no, that was from another era. And then he went, what am I talking about? No, it wasn't. We had people die from that. Of yeah. course that was still of the era. Yeah. But you didn't think of it as the era. But yeah. 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 Chris Farley's getting it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and writers are using it. And we just had John Mulaney, you know, uh, mm-hmm. go into rehab like seconds ago. Yeah. And like, so tell me he wasn't using it like, you know, while writing the show. So, you know, saying, ah, eh, it's all in the past. It's not, it's not all in the past. No. Clearly it's not all in the past. And he's, you know, a guy who... When people uh, came up to him about, you know, Chris Farley or John Belushi, went, well, what are you going to do? Well, what am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> okay. I don't know. You're running things. Yeah. Tell him to knock it off. Mm. I don't know. You're the boss. Yeah. But he was the boss who was like, this is how, you know, the ship's running. Things are working. What am I, what am I going to do? And so, yeah. you know. Dif- different generation, that's for sure. And like I say, from a time when it was a shrug, you know, doing cocaine. Eh. Shows on the air. That's what I need. Yeah. I need a show on. I'm sure they weren't the only show that had cocaine use going on in the writers' rooms and actors and actresses and people working on the show and producers and 
you know. But they do seem to have the most well-known death count of people who have passed away from drugs. Saturday because Live. Saturday Night Live, and and that could sure. just be because it's such a long-running show. It's a long-running show, and and their first death was sp- uh, spectacular in the sense it was one of the be- their best performers. I thought you were gonna say one of their best deaths. It was one of the be- best. Ten out of ten to that. Day. Yeah. No, just one of their best known, best you know, a person who is live fast, die young. Yeah, I mean, maybe you, that was part of the attitude as well. You know, I well, that was kind of the attitude for like Chris Farley when when people said you're gonna like be like Belushi. He was, yeah, I'm fine with that, and then he was, and it's like that's a that's a drag. That's a stupid way to be. But I mean, you know, like if you look at jazz music, where because of uh, Charlie Parker, Charlie bird parker you know everyone who wanted to be like a great jazz musician was a heroin addict and that's not just like one or two guys that was like endemic in the jazz scene so here's my question about that is miles davis john coltrane like all those guys all is it just like a copycat thing or or because they felt they feel like that's how you are the that's how you're best okay well i understand and even though charlie park would say it's not why i'm the best it's why i'm going nowhere like it's this right. is destroying me you guys should not be doing this everybody like hey this is what uh, bird does so we have to do it too but i understand it i don't you know approve of it obviously <laughs> yes. but like i understand for saturday night live if like you've got to come up with you know comedy you know uh constantly yes i can see how cocaine is a drug that fuels that makes sure. sense sure it makes you think things are funny it makes you <laughs> verbose that's that's marijuana Cocaine just makes you more more industrious. Okay, it gets it gets stuff done. Cocaine yeah. gets done in the short yeah. term. But what does heroin do for your music? Nothing at all. But, That's what I don't but understand. Because like the- I can actually see people going. I look. I need to do a line right yeah. now because I got to get the script done by tomorrow, and I got no time. Yeah. But like you know, a person going. I need to do the heroin right now. Yeah. Why? Because I've got to get what done and nothing. The nothing will- to do with that. It's all about appearances. It's all about your. Your cachet in the jazz scene, yeah, you know, and because, like I say, one of the greatest musicians that's ever lived, one of the greatest, you know, musical improvisers of all time, yeah, you know, used heroin, totally unrelated to his music. It was really, really, he was just a self-destructive is person. That, is that why uh, rock musicians as well would uh, use heroin? Was it a holdover yeah. from that? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, there's different scenes where we were well talking a little bit a little while ago about the singer in the ruts who. You know, like had two different songs criticizing heroin use. You know, and then two years later, they're they're using heroin. You know, it's just it's part of the well. I mean, the what life I do, you're in. And, yeah, what I do get about heroin from people I know who've used heroin is like when you start using heroin, you really like heroin. Like yeah. heroin is its own agent and yeah. will uh, will keep promoting itself quite well, <laughs> less so than cocaine. Cocaine will will trick you into thinking that you need the cocaine to do the thing but you're mm-hmm. wanting to do the thing yeah and whatever the thing is whether it's writing a script yeah or uh be good in bed or not be nervous at a party mm-hmm. or whatever it'll say you know i'm the only pal you got here but <laughs> heroin i think is its own you know listen you want to do heroin because it's heroin and it's great and nothing mm. feels better than heroin so hey you know now you're now you're in it to to win it <laughs> uh, we're gonna keep going with this, right, yeah, buddy? What else I are you guess. gonna do? Not do heroin? Yeah. Come on, don't be an idiot. Yeah, there's a song by James Brown called "King Heroin," where he criticizes heroin use and you know the, the dealers and blah blah blah. And then, like two years later, he was a heroin addict. You know, it's just a weird. 
It's just a weird. Yeah, but it's not that of, weird. Anyone who's like so anti something <laughs> is probably going to be pro that thing to a degree. <laughs> Maybe right? that's it. Maybe it just reflects their own. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm always promoting heroin. That's right. Hooray I, for heroin. I'm anti licking frozen flagpoles. <laughs> well, you know, within two years, I'm going to be stuck to a flagpole. There's no two ways about that. That's going to that's gonna occur. It's, it's weird. I, I don't understand why you're against them so much, but uh, it's often you've often talked about it. So the song Cocaine, is it pro-cocaine or anti-cocaine? Yeah. Pro, it's pro-cocaine. Pro-cocaine, yeah. Because it's this time. I mean, I, I think... Like, pro, like I cocaine feel like, needed a song. I feel like... It's not. It's not. It's not original to Eric Clapton. It's a cover of a song by J.J. Kale. Okay. And I feel like his version is more like a ironic thing. Okay. You know, but for Eric Clapton, whose lifestyle at that time was heroin and cocaine, it was not so ironic because he was. You know, he was living it. He was living it. He was. Living he was saying the uh, coca. Yeah. But yeah, I think every. Yeah, I mean, just let's face it. I mean, I'm. I'm like the last person in the world that should be talking about drugs because I've just I'm completely uninterested in them and I've never used them or even been tempted to do anything. Yeah, that but way, you so. has, you know the historical uh, you yeah. know, background of all these people who have used drugs and yeah. uh, what has become of them. So you know if you were to if, if you're the auto expert and you know how many people have driven this car and have blown up. Yeah. And you go like, but you know who am I to talk? I've never driven the car. Yeah. But you know how okay. many people blew up in this sure. car? Sure. Yeah, but a lot of them drove fast and went vroom vroom fun. Yes, yeah. that's true. But it's also important. To- I think, and I think one thing about drugs, but less so now. I think, but in in like the fifties and sixties, it was a way was a book cachet but it was also because it was so anti-establishment it was such a fu yeah. to the to the consumer culture of the 50s the straight-laced atomic family mum and dad blah 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 you know it was just a way of like you know throwing the middle finger at all that stuff just to throw away your life in this in this way that was cool in quotations you know and obviously self-destructive but what's the alternative get married and have kids drive around a station wagon f that I'm just going to like, you know, going to I'm going to rebel in the most crazy self-destructive way. Yeah. You know. And again these, you know, we're starting off by And there's talking. also a lot of suffering and sadness. Sure, sure. For, you know, for black musicians stuff like that in jazz, they came out of, you know, horrible places. They came out of the south like Charlie yeah. Parker where there was t- tons of racism and all a kinds reason. of endemic. Yeah. If you want a justification for doing something, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a justification there for sure. Mm-hmm. But like when I started off, you know, uh, talking. Ray about, Charles was a heroin addict. Yep. You know, yep. Another jazz guy. It'd be odd to list people that didn't experiment in some way. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I was going to say, like, all of these comedians that I was talking about uh, who uh, are forgotten now, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, unless, of course, it was cancer. Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, usually it was a substance that uh, took them. Yeah, yeah. You know, or using something, and then in relation to that, they didn't pay attention to the this, and then they got hit by a what, <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, it's either alcohol or uh, drugs or what have you. Yeah, and that uh, took them away. And, it, and, and, and I know a couple of them uh, were actually, much like Farley, were like, yeah, this is the lifestyle. I mean, but that's a, addiction there, talking. It's not... It's not reality. Talk. It's not how you. It's not how that person would feel if they were outside of the situation they're in. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the you know, 
I do, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back to using specific names for specific people because I might misquote and I feel that's not fair. Yeah, but people who were on uh, drugs, they would yeah, they would romanticize them one at one point, and then at another point they would like just take me aside and just go, you know, I'm the best, but people aren't ever gonna know that because <laughs> you know because they can't stop doing this. Yeah, yeah, and they just needed someone to know that that like i want you to know i am the best at this <laughs> and this is what's keeping me away but then you know other times i'd be talking to to someone and you could tell that the idea of if you die from you know alcohol there's a romance to that mm-hmm. that's the artist that's you're yeah, living yeah. the life of a poet yeah and you know people will go ah you know it all fits in <laughs> to the tragedy that is life sure you know whether you're drinking you know, absinthe in the Paris in the in the late late nineteenth century, or you're taking heroin in in Greenwich Village, and you know it's it's the or in Harlem or wherever, you know, or you're doing acid in in the sixties. Like all these sort of self destructive things have this ele- romantic element to them, you know, because it's it's bohemian. It's you know it's anti anti I don't know anti, yeah anti establishment. That's the word. Yeah, it just yeah. Though people I know who have been, you know, and and they say you're never not an addict. Yeah. Um, You know, they never look back at their those times. Well, they can look back at the times and just go, those were good times. It was enjoyable. That's true. (laughs) But it's very seldom like, oh, I wish I still was. Mm. That, you know, normally it's like I was an idiot. I looked looked like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Because it fucks up your brain. It makes your brain, your brain tells you things that are lies and lies to you consistently and lies to you even later on, which is why they say, you know, you're never not an addict because it's still going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. You go, you know, it'd be a good idea right now. And you know, it's not a good idea right now, but yeah. No. And I mean, yeah, it's so easy. And like you say, you're always an addict. I used to work with a guy who was a, was a heroin addict, uh, went through treatment, you know, was clean for about seven years mm. and had a relapse. Yeah. Because he just thought I can handle this. I can handle, you know, being orbiting this lifestyle, but you, the, you know, the gravity, the pull of gravity on someone like that is just so strong. They just, yeah, yeah. They just fell, he fell right back into it again. And I remember when his sister died, he went for, um, counseling, went for, went for, a, you know, counseling because he was just worried about relapsing, you know, which I thought was very responsible. Like, at least to be aware of, you know, sure, sure, what that you could easily, because, yeah. you know, if that's what you want, even if you don't want it, it's kind of what you want at the same time. And so there's a perfect excuse. My sister died. I'm so sad. I need heroin, you know. And talking to him, though, like, he talks about, like, going to cocaine parties and stuff like that, where it's just, like, two days of this, like, cocaine. And then you're, like, talking to someone and emptying their bank account so you can get more cocaine. And sure. this becomes, it's not, even, it's not even funny anymore. It's just, like, a grueling, punishing, self-punishing, like, just torture test, you know, because you just keep, you just keep going until you can't yeah. anymore until you're just falling down and that's the end of it. And he lived on the streets, you know, he was a shoplifter and he, you know, he survived by however, just however he could get drugs and stuff like that. And he's just lucky that his sister, his sister was willing to, you know, take care of him and get him into treatment. And, you know, and I guess he'd reached the point where he was willing to go through it as well. Cause I mean, you need that too. You can't just, yeah. no one can make you, Heal, heal yourself you have to you, you saw the john mulaney monologue on the most recent saturday night live or did you no i did not yeah and i may have men- mentioned this before but it's a story that just makes me go what uh where he 
uh, as an addict, you've got to contact people that are kind of in your drug community and let yeah. them know I'm not going to be talking to you anymore or what what happened. What do you mean? Oh, when you are. Yeah, when you're uh, when you're seeking intrig- sobriety. Okay, That's sure. That's right. Sure. So uh, one of the people that he was he said that to was his drug dealer. You know, because his drug dealer called about something. He went, "Look, I can't." talk to you anymore because i'm going to be getting off cocaine and the coke and the dealer was like oh that's great like what do you mean and and what he didn't remember was that the this guy was not a drug dealer like the guy uh was dealing drugs to him because he was worried that john would buy drugs from a a worse source (laughs) so to protect john he became a drug dealer not deal just to john yeah. Uh, to supply him with drugs that he knew were clean okay. uh, because he felt like, you know, John was in a place where he was going to buy drugs uh, off the street or someplace that was dangerous and like, which could kill him. But doesn't it, how would a person who's not a drug dealer have access to cocaine? I think like if you're in the business, uh, sure, there's sure. enough people okay. that you would know that you would know you would know. And so, and so, yeah, John basically, you know, and he tells it in a funnier way, <laughs> you know. This, I'm one of the only people who, you know, you know, my my addiction turns someone else into a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how bad my addiction was. You know, uh, yeah, it was a person who wasn't uh, beforehand, but the person just wanted to protect him. And so that's why they ended well, up selling him drugs that were clean. I think you did tell me that, but I, yeah. I forgot. It's just it's just a heck of a story. It is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's an odd story. Yeah. I guess if you're feel like you can't stop the person because you can't you can't st- you can't stop someone from hurting themselves if that's what they want to do unfortunately well there's an I mean, you could lock them in a, you can lock them in a room but that's a, it's called kidnapping yeah <laughs> there's something that's there's something that's missing and they feel that this will be the thing that will make them feel if not good then nothing mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah it's tough to it's tough to say no. You should go with the pain. Yeah, but no, you should go with the pain, and that's a that's a that's a real uh, toughie, especially when there's stuff going on in your life as well. And just like I don't have time for the pain right now. Mm-hmm. I got to get this job done. I've got to get this stuff done in life. I've got to get this thing done. Uh, or let's say there's a uh, pandemic <laughs> going on or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just this overwhelming thing. Yeah, it's tough to tell someone the suffering is probably better. Uh, for you, then the uh, you know ending it is simply the shortcut, because the shortcut will bring its own price. Well, that's it, and you know, knowing a uh, few addicts, one thing that I think the saddest thing, and what I think makes it hardest for people in recovery, is the wasted years of your life. Like how however many years you spent as an addict, or those are just unless you're like a successful celebrity or whatever where you have a lot of people who are supporting supporting you and supporting your addiction yeah and creating a situation where you can work and also be an addict but most people don't have that situation they yeah. just they yeah, sink functioning they sink into a yeah, yeah yeah they sink into a into a a pit of despair and and that's where they are for for years and years and when they come out of it Everyone else has moved on in their lives. Everyone else has gotten married, has kids, has, has a house, has an apartment, has a good job. They've but got some promotions, and they're still in the exact same place they were five, ten years before. You know, however long they were out of yeah. circulation because of addiction, and you've got to now you got to sleep in that bed you made, and that's even more depressing. Right. 
because and it's also embarrassing and it's embarrassing that's right it's humiliating you you live with your mom and dad or you you live in a kind of broken down place because you can't afford anything better because you it's kind of a good job because you never went to you didn't go to university because you dropped out of university because you were an addict or you or you lost your really good job and no one wants to hire you because you're a risk you know or you're just been out of it so long that you you've lost all your contacts you don't know anyone in the business anymore or whatever you know whatever things whatever kind of problems that you put in your way and you've got to you have to handle that though but you have to handle it and not relapse you can't go back to what's comfortable for you which is your addiction you've got to you know just live with this humiliation live with this embarrassment yeah. you know and you know it's easy to say to people you know well you made your bed now you have to lie in it but who wants to lie in that bed no one does you know and so it's just so hard for them i know this like i say i just know people who are addicts and how how hard it is for them to deal with that part of their life. You know? this just ma- this you, makes you don't me- want to go to other people's houses. No. Because all it does is it remind you of what you don't have. You I know? think there's so much that, so much destruction is done. And uh, so so many lives are, 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 are lost. And I don't mean lost as in like you die, but as in lost. Mm-hmm. Um, wasted. You may be wasted. Might be, yeah, I'm trying to even get the right word. But, uh, but, uh, and just, I'm going to go, just, I'm going to throw this net wider <laughs> is just, uh, embarrassment. Just, just us being embarrassed stops us from doing so much. Oh, sure. Stops us from getting healthier, stops us from healing. Mm-hmm. Because so much of like healing is admitting something or doing something embarrassing to heal. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, like you say, with, with, with addiction, admitting you've got a problem, which yeah. shows, you know, uh, in your mind, weakness. I I can't handle. Mm-hmm. Why Why can't you not do this? Yeah. Why can't you just stop? Just don't do it. Just don't go and do it. <laughs> so what's the problem? Why do you have to drink? Yeah. Don't yeah. pick up the bottle and drink. Yeah. What's your problem? Why sure. are you so weak? <laughs> so you know what's the, what's the sure. what's the thing? Uh, but, do think, but do you think that attitude is as prevalent now as it w- would have been, you know, twenty years ago? Let's say. I think, well, the I feel other, like there's more understanding of addiction issues now, or at least to at least, a degree. I'm sure there's still, degree. I'm sure there's still people who are very judgmental, but yeah, I'm just talking in like broader terms. Like I, I think as a society, I think 20 years ago there was way more condemnation than you would see now. Maybe. I mean, I, I think, but in general, I'd say like embarrassment is the reason that people don't. Oh yeah. Uh, fix things like even something like you know the gym is like the idea of going to the gym. Mm-hmm is really embarrassing it's really embarrassing because you don't know how everything works yeah you know you're gonna look like you know you're the fat guy on the treadmill when there's a person next to you who's super fit who's doing all the stuff and knows all the things and mm-hmm. knows all the bits yeah and how to do it and you know it's just you know embarrassing to do and you know you look online and there's some pictures of people making fun of fat people at the gym and you know like this guy at the gym or that guy at the gym or whatever. yeah yeah you know but i think like almost anything that you that you're doing to try to get better at anything yeah is going to be embarrassing you know you want to and i'll even go like i'll throw the, the net out even further if you want to learn a new skill like say you want to learn how to play guitar Okay, we're going to practice guitar. That's going to be embarrassing. You're going to be shit at it <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Do you want to do stand up? 
well, you're going to be shit at it. You're mm-hmm. going to go on stage and you're going to suck. Yeah. And your friends are going to come see you and they're going to be embarrassed for you and you're going to be embarrassed and everyone's embarrassed. Yeah. What are you thinking? And you're not good. You're just not yeah. good. But well, that's, your, that's your inner voice. That's Yeah. Did you that, paint a picture? That's not reality, though. That's a Well, no, that's no. A, that's you know what? Thing. Maybe. I mean, the, the, the first couple of times you do or first No, year, no. I agree that you'll suck. Yeah. But I think the, what you continue to say there is your is your. Oh, what's the, what's, where's, at what point does it deviate? The idea that your friends are there and they think you suck and then they're mad at you or that they don't like you and stuff like that. Those are, that's It depends what type of friends and if they understand (laughs) the situation. Sure. Because I think sometimes people feel that the way talent works is you do the thing you do and you're good almost instantly. Yeah. And if you're not, then you should stop it. Like, if you're bad at like singing off, the first time you see someone sing, you shouldn't sing anymore. You're a shit singer. Mm. You know, that's the thing. You go and you audition for something and it's like, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Simon Cowell, you see, you know, <laughs> sitting there and the guy goes, oh, well, yeah. you know, you're shit yeah. and you should yeah. never sing again. Fuck you. Get out. Get out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, they might take lessons and get better. No, 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 no. Nope. Nope. It's just the one time and you're either good or you're not. But it, well. draw, draw, draw a picture. You can't draw. You shouldn't draw. You should never draw. Stop drawing. You know. It's, I, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know. I feel like I feel like in every part of your life, it doesn't matter what you do, that there are going to be mean people in your life. It doesn't matter what. Even if you're great, there's going to be mean people in your life who are going to be mean about what you do. I think if you if you talk to almost any stand up and said like, "Have you ever brought your friends to a show?" Yeah, they will tell you a horror story. Of your friends not being, of these friends not making eye contact with you afterwards. <laughs> sure, but that doesn't mean. Because <sighs> they don't get that That's it's going to be five yeah. years till you're decent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a tough thing to tell someone. Sure, sure. I can see that. I can see that. But I just, and I agree with you about embarrassment. I think you're right. Like, I think so much of our lives are, so much of my life has been ruined by, or ruled by, or ruined by my my own timidity my own unwillingness to be yeah I suffer humiliation most you people know? yeah are, 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 i don't yeah. want to i don't want to say that's i don't want to i don't want to make your suffering generic but i think no 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 i'm i it is generic everyone yeah everyone goes through this you know and i'm just i'm just saying myself too but i think that i think that we we it's our own narration that is at fault not the not necessarily reality okay you know like when you're at the gym people aren't making fun of you I'm at the gym. I'm at the gym. I'm. I know what I'm doing at the gym. I know where to go at the gym and stuff like that. If I see someone at the gym who doesn't know what they're doing, I'm not thinking. I'm not making fun of them or thinking bad things about them. You're not. That's right. You know, and I think most most people aren't. I'm yes, wonder- there are always idiots or jerks or meanies yes. wherever you go in life. Yeah, I wonder. I would. Okay, but here's what if I'm you saying. said to someone at the gym, yeah. "Hey, I don't understand how to use this machine. Could you show me how to turn it on?" They would show you how to turn it on. They're not going to go, "What you idiot?" No, they'll. They'll say, "Oh, let me show you," and they'll help you. I think there's a big you know? bag of prejudices floating around. Like what the so so you would then like the person who doesn't know yeah. is going to see the person who's like the real muscle person <laughs> and go, and they're going to have prejudices about that person. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that they're mean towards that person, mm-hmm. but they're going to have their prejudices, and the other person's going to have their prejudices, and there's yeah. a big bunch of because you can't not have prejudices when you're when you're saying that you don't think that's reality. I wonder if there is an objective reality that you could even talk about and just go like, look, 
you're right. There are people who are going to be like looking down on you. Mm-hmm. And some of them are going to be looking down on you because they feel great about themselves. Some are going to look down on you because they feel shit about themselves. Some are not going to be looking down at you at all and don't give a fuck about you. Some are going to be <laughs> thinking, good for you. Yeah. But like, it's a room full of people with different perspectives yeah. who have led, led different lives. And so, yes, there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some of this. Sure. And there is no reality of how things are in the thing. But yeah, yeah you're going to be picking up that oh, someone's giving me the. They're like grossed out, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, like I was thinking about that. I was actually talking about bullying today, actually, at work. Um, not related to our work, but we used to have guys there who were bullies. Yeah, you know, and they had their uses. Like bullies are good for maintaining a, a ethos, like a work cu- culture. If yeah. It is a good work culture. You want people there who are willing to say to people, "Hey, pick that up," or. You guys are always doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, you kind of need someone there who's willing to, like, be sure. abrupt, you know. And, and But it, you don't want that just to be always that, you know. And there's some guys that that's all they are. And like you say, yeah, it could be just, it could be their own view of themselves. You know, they don't, they know that if they're at the bottom, then that's a horrible place to be. So they want to, like, get themselves somewhere in the middle or as close to the top as they can. And the way yeah. they do that is by pushing other people down b- below them, you know. And that's, but... I don't know. I just feel like you can't avoid you can't avoid those people because they're everywhere you go. Yeah. Everywhere in your life. When you're driving on the road, there's bullies. Yeah. When you're walking down the street, there's bullies. When you're work at work, there's gonna be right. sometimes there's bullies, sometimes so, there's not. So, but that's a separate thing than than you're saying. If you're in this environment, uh, the reality is, you know, uh people aren't thinking that. But now you're saying but there's bullies. No, everywhere. no, I'm, say, I'm so there not are saying that. Be bullies at the gym. I said there are people at the gym, but I yeah. said, but most people aren't that way. Most, but that, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. but I mean, it shouldn't stop people from doing stuff. Most places in the, yeah, most areas in the gym don't have poisonous snakes. So go <laughs> to the gym. Um, like, but poisonous snakes are different than bullies. Okay. You know, like how you know because poisonous snakes don't have malice and poisonous Bo- snakes poisonous can't snakes change. can kill you, whereas bullies can't kill you. Oh, that's not true at all. Unless you're in a Marvel movie or a DC movie. Then yeah. they will kill you with a truck. That's right. It's very different in a Marvel. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what Marvel movie I saw recently. I think it was maybe Morbius where they had some bullies in it. And oh. they were like, really? yeah, I did. I think it was. Yeah, absolutely. It was Morbius. Okay. And there was too. a couple of bullies that were like bullying uh, a kid with crutches oh, okay. in an alley. And yeah, I was yeah. like, what is this? A DC movie? <laughs> what are you doing? You can't do this. And then finally they, yeah, they break it up. But like I do like... You know, more than once. To be fair to Marvel, that's more of a Sony movie than a Marvel movie. That's true. So you can't get a little of that crossover going. <laughs> but like, I'll I'll say like, you know, uh, you know, I know how much I weigh, and I know there's times where I have literally heard people say like 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 just out loud without even thinking, uh, and I'm nearby. Mm-hmm. You know, if I weighed and it's an amount less than me, if I weighed that, I'd kill myself because that's their kill themselves weight. Because like, you know, how could you exist? at that weight and mm. like walk around like a person they would be so humiliated to be the weight that i am if mm-hmm. they were me they and they say and like this is i'm i can think of off the top of my head at least five people who i've heard say this mm. which means i've heard at least 10 people say this for real you know that if they weighed what i weigh they would kill themselves because they can't they can't uh, picture going through life like this how could you you know, how could you? It's you're you're so you're so disgusting that you that you exist at the weight that you are that uh it would be better off uh if you were dead. And they just they just say this casually. And that's like one of their motivators of just like, you know, 
why they keep themselves uh, to fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like there's there's when I when I think of that, that's part of gym culture to me. It's mm-hmm. like those people all go to the gym. Sure, I think that's a holdover from high school too, which I can certainly see. I think people who had trouble in high school gym will have trouble with adult gym. Because you're carrying those feelings yeah. into into the adult gym. I've got. It's weird. I I, I talk a little bit with. Uh, there's a friend of mine who recently uh, ended up um, uh, paralyzed, mm. and uh, and the amount of times she has heard uh, people say, you know, if I was you know ever like paralyzed, I'd kill myself. And it's just like people will say that they'll say and they'll say that in front of people. Yeah. Oops. Like it's just there are, there are mean people. <laughs> no, it's not even mean, and they don't even think of it as mean. They're not saying it as just like yeah, you know, it's they mean, don't even okay. they don't even half think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, you're oh, you know, in her case, it would be like you're so brave. Oh, okay, yeah, you're so brave. Yeah. Mm. You know, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do what you mm. do. Mm. You know, and, and live the life that you live. There's mm. that, but then there's also people who will just mention just like no, life's not worth living the way the way that you are. So you know, there you go. There I know. It's I know you go like how could you but it's so common yeah yeah that yeah no I can I mean I, that I can see that uh, I can see that yeah I mean yeah that's callous I guess or unthinking behavior but it's it's also interesting to me just the that people have their I can take this much and then I'd have to end it and <laughs> feels kind of weird and what it is it's is kind of extreme yeah it is kind of extreme. <laughs> And, you know, let's just, let's just say like, you know, you know what? You could probably take more than you think you could. You could. Like, yeah. I, I mean, no one wants to, you no. know, go through a, a tragedy and have to deal yeah. with a thing and with a thing. You don't want to live in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. But if you had to, you would. Right. Because it's better than the alternative. Yeah. You don't want, you also don't want to live in like a Hope and Crosby Road movie. <laughs> Once again. Because you're going to have those two guys punching you in the face after yeah. doing patty cake. <laughs> Cormac McCarthy's The Road to Rio. Oh my God! Cormac McCarthy's Road with Bob. Yeah, Hope and Crosby. Oh, now we got something. Going on. Man, where's SCTV? Get him yeah. on the line. Hey, Junior. Oh, he's really the dad. Oh, that's good. Yeah, where's SCTV when we need it? Let me get Martin Short on the phone. Let's get to Dave Thomas. Get Bob Hope out of the yeah, out of mothballs. Yeah, if I can't balls. get. Uh, if I can't get to, uh, yeah, uh, Martin Short, I'm going to get uh, Dana Dana Carvey. Okay. <laughs> he's we'll gonna, do this. He's going to go a little over the top. Yes, of course he will. Oh, dear. Anyway, so don't uh, don't say that you're going to kill yourself. Is what we're, that's one of the lessons out there. <laughs> also, uh, don't do heroin. Yes, that's, that's good. The, that's another good, good lesson. Moral, but this, uh, by saying that, you're in two years, you'll be a heroin addict. Yeah, that's true. Uh, don't, uh, don't, uh, do cocaine unless you got a sketch that needs to be done by Saturday night. <laughs> then try to go into rehab. If you're going to you do can. it all later on Tuesday. Ugh, so dumb. Like, I think that's, that's the thing is like, when you've got a TV show that still has the cocaine hours, mm. hours that were built on cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to end up with some cocaine. Problems. I think it was partly that. And I think it was partly that a lot of those people had two jobs. You know, a lot of them came out of National Lampoon. We're still writing for National Lampoon and working on Saturday Night Live. Okay. So their working hours reflect the fact that they were moonlighting. Uh, and so they were working moonlight hours. Why that has still become like a tradition that you have to like stay awake yeah. for hours on end to write a stupid sketch for a, a, a dumb, dumb show that most cases no one's going to remember your sketch. No one's going to be t- talking about it in 10 years time or whatever. Like, you know. 
it does feel very culty. It feels like a very culty environment. You know, mm. it's one of those things where like I guess that's, that's part of it for sure. That's sleep deprivation. And sleep deprivation is part of a <laughs> yeah. part of a cult. Yeah. You know, and it's a lack of nutrition. It's <laughs> you know, and well, I'm sure I'm sure the snacks they've got there aren't the best. I don't I don't think it's culty in the way that that, that like that way, but I think it is very much like clubby or maybe more fraternity in the way that it's almost like a hazing ritual well but that you have to go through got in order the, to be yeah part of the team you you got to do this but when you've got the dear leader that everyone wants to please <laughs> as well you know sure, and, and dear sure. leader is like friends with paul mccartney and paul simon and everyone famous in so the you're world. saying paul simon is the cult leader no paul simon is the friend of the cult leader <laughs> The cult leader is a different person. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can see that. Thing. I mean, and, and, and you know, it used to be you'd, you'd, you'd think like, oh, I know what a coke addict looks like. He looks like a, a, a Belushi or it looks like a Farley. I got what that looks like. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden you end up uh, with a, a dead Phil Hartman, you know. And was you, Phil Hartman a cocaine user? I believe so. I thought yeah. his wife was the... Was I thought they was... both were. And, oh, okay. And she murdered him. Uh, in a kind of cocaine, she had binge. yeah, cocaine psychosis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think they both uh, partook. Oh, okay. And, and then you got the straightest looking guy in the world, <laughs> you know, John Mulaney, you know, who's also a coke addict, and you're like, it it doesn't necessarily look like you think it looks. You know, the difference is in someone who's addicted to cocaine and someone who's not addicted to cocaine is they're addicted to cocaine, and that is the only. It depends difference. where they. It depends where they are in the, uh, in the in the, uh, you know. Spectrum of, of wealth, and those are differences there too, as well. So, yeah, and yeah, yeah, there's lots of things. Yeah, you're not necessarily the party animal, you can, uh, <laughs> what have you. Yeah, so anyway, uh, don't do drugs, stay in school. <laughs> I thought you didn't like school. No, I'm actually, I don't believe that. <laughs> don't stay in school. I don't believe that. Don't do drugs, don't stay in school. I was looking just to see, don't go like, to the gym. I was looking to see how Dorothy Parker died, uh, just because I'm a Dorothy Parker fan. And, Drank uh, herself to death? No, heart attack. That's from drinking, though. Well, 73. Well, that's pretty good. You know? She did pretty good. Yeah, and it, well, here's the thing about Dorothy Parker. She died basically seconds before I was born. Oh, really? Yeah. She knew you were coming. So it's possible, possible you, we have the same soul. I was going to say, you took over from Dorothy Parker. It could be. Yeah. Um, here's, here's my Dorothy Parker trivia. She left all of her uh, money yeah. uh, to, um, to a civil rights leader. Who was it? Gave all her money to a civil rights leader. Yep. Um, in uh, 1967. Guess which I shouldn't have had to look up because I seconds guess it, before I was born. I guess it would have to be MLK. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Left all her money to Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, she, she didn't write Jr. Whoops. That was a mistake. <laughs> went, to her, went to his father. Yep. And Who? then upon King's death to the uh, NAACP. Did you know he changed his name, Martin Luther? No. What was his name? His first name was Luther. Oh. So was he an actual junior? His father also did that. Oh, well, okay. Isn't Wait. That, but isn't that weird? Okay, but his father did it. Yeah. Did they do it at the same I time? I don't know. I just, this is a bit of trivia that I learned a little while ago. Okay. Oh, no. He was born Michael King Jr. Oh, Michael King. Sorry. Okay. That's right. And then changed his name to Martin Luther King. Yes. Yes. Just kept the junior. Keep it. <laughs> there Keep we go. that junior. Okay. That's sorry. Right. I was a little mixed up then. I forgot the... Uh... No, that's all right. Glad, glad, to, glad to pass out wrong facts. That's my, my new thing on the show here. Wrong facts from Dave. Yeah. Now I'm just wondering what happened to the Algonquin Round Table. Oof, who was the Al- Algonquin? Let's just see if we can name them without without oh, you looking. Oh, okay. Well, I can't. I can't. So I'm I'm up. Okay, I'm going to say. Well, George S. Kaufman, of course. Um, okay. Dorothy Parker. Dorothy Parker. That's right. Uh, Alexander Woolcott. 
That's correct. Um, Critic and journalist. There was another another journalist, uh, Franklin. Was there a Franklin something? Mr. Franklin. Franklin. Alphabetically, they would have been listed first. Really? Yeah. I can't remember his name. Uh, Franklin Adams. Franklin Adams. Okay. He was a yeah columnist, a newspaper columnist. Yeah. Um, uh, Edna Ferber, I guess, would it be part of that? Ferber, I'm not seeing her in the initial list, but I will go down to the bottom list. Yes, she was. Uh, she was. Uh, she was not one of the founding members, but yeah, the charter members. But yes, she was. Robert member. Benchley, I suppose, was part Robert of that. Robert Benchley was one of the. Uh, you've listed uh, the charter members except for Edna Ferber. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's uh all right. There was a guy who was there uh, who uh, would have been a silent member. Oh, Harpo Marx, I guess, would have been was a friend of Alexander Wolcott's. Yeah, famously, he and another um, I can't remember who they decided it'd be great fun to um, to row out to this island where Wolcott was staying, was vacationing, and so they they rented a boat, rowed to the island, took off their clothes, jumped out of the bushes, and to uh, to scare Wolcott, who just reacted with kind of a oh hello Harpo. <laughs> reaction got their clothes back on got back in the boat and rode back to the mainland yeah so here are the charter members uh franklin pierce adams okay robert benchley yeah haywood braun haywood braun okay yeah. uh mark connelly another writer or ruth with, hale with ruth hale yeah don't know her uh freelance writer who worked for women's rights Kaufman, okay. as you said yeah dorothy parker brock pemberton don't know him. Broadway producer. Okay. Uh, Murdoch Pemberton, who's also a Broadway publicist. <laughs> Harold Ross. Oh, Harold Ross, the New Yorker editor. Yeah. Uh, Robert founder. E. Sherwood. Another writer. Uh, John Peter uh, Tui, who was a Broadway fellow. Okay. And Alexander Wolcott, as you said. Now, now, yeah. uh, there were others who moved in and out who were not always part okay, of it. Okay, not always part of it. And now what we got there is we got Tallulah Bankhead. Oh, really? A nice Tallulah Bankhead. Wow. It's coming in. So, you know, bat down the hatches. Yes. Uh, Norman Bell Geddes. Okay, don't Who's a stage designer. Noel Coward. Okay, I can see why he would come and go. Blythe Daly, the actress. Okay. Uh, Edna Ferber, you've mentioned. A- Ava uh, Le Galen, okay. actress. Uh, Margot Gilmore. Margallo Gilmore. Okay. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Jane Grant, journalist and feminist. Uh, Beatrice Kaufman, married oh, okay. to George Kaufman. Okay. Margaret Leach. Harpo Marx, uh, Neza McMain, mm. Alice Dor Miller, writer, uh, Donald Ogden Stewart. Okay, another writer, wrote yeah. the Philadelphia story. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Frank Sullivan, Deems Taylor, Estelle Frank Sullivan Wood. was another uh, newspaper guy. Uh, and Peggy Wood. Okay. Hmm. There you are. But I wonder what happened with the table itself. <laughs> was there actually a table? Or just to pretend? Uh, oh, interesting. That is met at the bar at the Algonquin. Oh. Oh, there we are. In the saloon. All right. There was a film about the members that won an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Oh, okay. In 1987. Hmm, never seen it. And it was called The Ten-Year Lunch. Okay. Yeah. I know there's the the um, film by that director who was uh, Robert Altman's protege. Um, gosh darn, did Welcome to L.A. And uh, what's his name uh, now? Al- Alan Rudolph. Oh, Alan Ellen. So it with Alan Rudolph. Alan Rudolph, yeah, he did uh, Mrs. Parker and the Round Table, I think it's called, and the Vicious Circle. Oh, and the Vicious Circle, sorry. Yeah, which I thought was okay. It was a little too, I don't know. It's one of those movies where it felt. Uh, and you know what? There's a whole bunch of movies that I watched at a particular time that I saw on VHS on not very good televisions, and my idea, my opinion of those movies, 
I almost feel like as I, I should not even like have an opinion of those movies. Okay. That I should watch them again and then judge from that because I feel like I watched a lot of films that were you know done in like were done in like widescreen, very lush presentations, and I saw them on this cramped TV, you know, in pan and scan versions with horrible sound. Sorry. And uh, this it sounded like yeah there was a like bonfire that. happening while I was watching <laughs> it, and yeah it was so I. Yeah, there's a whole like time period where I should probably like rewatch all those films to to uh, if only I could be interested enough to do that. And you also got to watch um, two episodes of Young Indiana Jones. Oh, is that right? Uh, the uh, yeah Algonquin Roundtable appears in two of them. Mm. So mm. Indiana Jones uh, hung out at the Algonquin <laughs> Roundtable as well. Huh. Nice. I think uh, Robert Benchley also sort of drank himself to a to an early early grave as well. Unfortunately, I'm sorry about that. Well, you know, that's the, those were the days. Those were the days when it was okay to, you know, to be constantly half, you know, half crocked, just walking around and nearly drunk, but just half in uh, the bag. Yeah, on the other side of it, you know, he he was a when he met Dorothy Parker, he was a, kind of a small town lad. He'd gone to university, gone to college, to one of the Ivy League colleges, but he was very, uh, very much kind of a a how would you say it? Kind of a straight laced fella. He kept a Kept a notebook where he wrote all his expenses of the day in. Mm. So he'd keep track of what he was buying and stuff like that. And he wasn't a drinker. He didn't drink. He didn't start drinking until after he met Dorothy Parker. Once he started drinking, he really liked it a lot and kept on drinking uh, mm. until it stopped him from, you know. But uh, he did like a lot of fun little um, shorts. They're like how to sleep or and things mm. like that. They were quite funny. They're very good. Because I guess at some point it was decided that a lot of these writers and whatnot would do like a, sh- a stage show, like a review on Broadway. And so he did one called The Treasurer's Report, where he's like this very nervous treasurer reading out a report at a meeting. Of course, there's no one else there. It was just him on stage pretending he was directing this meeting. There's a lot of hemming and hawing. And, and it was very popular. And so he started doing, he went out to Hollywood and started, you know, doing uh, these little shorts and stuff. I think I remember How to Sleep. I think yeah, showed that fun. on uh, Turner Classic Movies. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. They had a few of them on there for a yeah. while. And I would make a point of trying to record them. But it was hard because they would give you like a time and then your your PVR would turn on and they would miss yeah. part of it. because You had to record like whatever was in front of <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but those were, yeah, they're quite good. And he also has a little role in um, the Alfred Hitchcock fil- film, The Foreign Correspondent with uh, Joel McRae. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that film. Oh, it's a really good movie. All right. I highly recommend it. All right. I highly recommend it. The Foreign Correspondent. Foreign Correspondent with, yeah, Joel McRae. Are where he's write this down? He's in England and he ends up in, embroiled in some some hijinks. It's kind of, um, it's one of those movies which is about like the war is coming, so we better get ready. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> these guys aren't nice. Done. Which, um, yeah, um, Hitchcock did a couple of films because I guess the Lady Vanishes is a similar idea too, where it's like, well, there's this country that we're not going to name them, but they're not nice people, so we better get ready for this, you know, because serious, serious stuff's going to happen. So yeah, that's another good movie. I have the. That sounds like a movie that could be written today. Yes. Here's a country we're not going to name who they are, <laughs> but, but there are some problems. And we gotta okay. Gotta deal with this. Yeah, it's a really good film. There's these two characters in it who are. Um, they act in a really duplicitous manner that's not helpful. Not because they're mean or anything like that. It's just they really want to get back to England for the test match because they're really they're just such huge cricket fans. <laughs> they're really resentful of the idea that their trains has to slow down in order to deal with these problems that this lady keeps bringing up. Some old lady vanished. I didn't see her. 
I don't want to have to wait here while we deal with this. I need to get back to England. And they were so popular, they did a, they made a, a movie with these two actors and the same, as the same characters, oh. which I have on DVD, but I've never actually watched, much to my shame. One day I'll have to actually open up this DVD and uh, mm-hmm. take a listen to it. Before DVDs go away. Before DVD, they haven't gone away, have they? No, no, before they go away. Oh, well, that's good. They should never go away. Uh, luckily, I have a daughter who still buys them. Good. So, if they have uh, director's commentaries and things. I think the last DVD store, oh, no, no, that's not true. The last DVD rental place in Vancouver is uh, closing now. Black Dog. Black Dog is closing. Yeah. Oh, that's shitty. Yeah. But I mean, rents are probably so insane that you can't Yeah. You can't make it work. Videomatica still exists, but I believe it's mostly a sales mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Mary went there and she said they have a kind of a, a combination new and old. So there's some used stuff that's sold and then new stuff as well. Yeah. I think um, with Black Dog, they're going to be putting a lot of the stuff up for sale mm. soon. I'm going to try and get uh, a shelf. One of their shelves. Okay, okay. I think that would be a nice thing That would to be have. handy to have. Uh, yeah. Then you could put I your wish, DVDs on it. Yeah, I wish I could have gotten uh, something from uh, Slickety Jim's. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a, a local restaurant that just went, uh, just closed. It was kind of a breakfast place. Yeah. Uh, but I also, for about a year, did a stand-up show in the back room with my friend Riel Han. So it would be nice to have a little something from, from we, there. And so. we did it one of our uh, one of our hundred. That's right. We did our, our hundredth and... I think Some, maybe two hundredth episode. I think we was did it okay. Th- okay, and that was the one. It was that we a. Did. It was a. Was a hundredth one. The hundred first one we did at Rio, right? And this one we did. We we it was a jam. We did it with Science Now. Well, that was different. That was Podmash. Oh, was that a different thing? That was a different thing. The our anniversary one was we had David on talking about um, heroes and villains. We had Colin Upton on talking about. Ast- uh, um, Asterix and Obelix. Okay. We had... Uh, was that Time Horse as well with Kathleen Yeah, we had uh, Kathleen Gross? Gross on as well. We did Time Horse. Right. And, um, yeah. I believe did. The Adventures of Time Horse. So, I'm the sorry. The Time Traveling Horse. I'm sorry that I, I abbreviated that name. Yeah, we did a bunch of stuff. That was, I think, either a 200 to 300. It's one of those ones. Right. And then separately, we did Pod Podmash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one and only Podmash, which you can look <laughs> up. It's still on our, uh, our um, Sneaky feet. Dragon site. Yeah. Uh, and we did that with uh, Ivan Decker's um, Science Now. Yeah. And uh, with, oh, what was the, oh, the I, I see both of them. They're great people. <laughs> and they it was a, like a, a podcast about kind of embarrassing things, a little bit dirty. Yeah. A little bit something, a little bit, oh, uh, oof, I forget. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the. Female half of the group has gone on to do like a Craigslist related podcast. Yeah, she's uh, qu- uh, quite successful with that. And Ivan Decker has gone on to do uh, a comedy special for Netflix. Oh, well, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we could help those. those yeah, kids we we get, boosted them along yeah. for sure. That was uh, 100 us. It's usually. It's I that, don't think there's any two ways that you could the, say it's called the Sneaky Dragon effect. Yeah, yeah Sneaky well Dragon. Known. Dazed and Convicted was the name. That's of, right. uh, of the show. And, uh, yeah, and Science Us. It wasn't Science Now. It was Science Us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, so it was Monica Hamburg and Bill Altman and Ivan Decker and Peter uh, Carloni. And, uh, yeah, if you if you go uh, on Netflix and look up uh, Ivan Decker, he's got a half-hour comedy special on there that's worth, uh, worth a watch. He's uh, pretty fantastic. He's been on, ooh, he's been on other stuff, too. He's been on talk shows. He's a funny <laughs> stand-up. Yes, he is funny. Yeah. You are correct. And we we had him first before anyone else. Oh, and that that was Sneaky when Dragon okay. Effect. Now I said yeah, uh, Slickety Jim's was where we did it. 
technically technically it was in the back room it was in the back room which had a different name technically yes uh called skinny fat jacks yeah yeah but really it was, really it was the same the building you had to walk through <laughs> you had to walk through the restaurant to right get to the... and it was uh, you know you don't want to argue with them because they had had a fire fairly recently and so yeah they had two fires two mysterious fires and that's how we expected they were going to go out but they did not they went out because high rent and just uh, can't maintain a restaurant in vancouver and uh, can't have anything fun can't because that's how people want it we can't we won't we don't stop now it's going to be a portuguese <laughs> restaurant and they promise no fun no fun at maybe all. they'll have the band no fun oh well that's that would be fun yeah because that's what the portuguese like no fun <laughs> uh david's doing a show out in surrey at the end of uh this month prove it well i could Point you to the Facebook thing. Back up your facts. <laughs> Back up your statements. But one thing the weird, the weird that happened was some band is coming to town called No Fun at All, and for whatever reason they used a photo of David at the rickshaw in the in the ad for it. What in the ad for the show? Yeah. So, what? Yeah, I know he sent it to me, and I was like, and he said, you know, and it said playing at the Biltmore. And uh, huh? And I just I kind of just glanced at it and I wrote back and said, "Oh, great! Sounds sounds like it'll be a good show." And he goes, "Cause I think you missed, <laughs> missed you didn't read the fine print, so I, I had to go back and look at it more carefully." I'm like, "Oh, no fun at all playing." Okay, that's weird because I just looked at it. Just said no fun. That's confusing. Yeah, it said no fun. It was a picture of David. Do on you stage. think that whoever was promoting it just googled no fun and did an image search? And went yeah, past yeah. The band click yeah. and then put it in. Oh, okay, that makes or no sense. fun at all, and then that that image came up, and then they're like, "Oh, that's a good image because it is a good image. It's from behind." You know, behind him, so you see a lot of like stage gear and stuff, and sure. it's all kind of you know dramatically lit. I wonder. Yeah, it would be nice to do a band called No No Fun, <laughs> and the one thing that you promise is yeah. no one from No Fun will. Show yeah, up. be in the be yeah, in the and so it's just you know it's a bouncer and he's refusing yeah. David entry. <laughs> but then all your all your uh, promotional stuff all features pictures of No Fun. Yeah. yeah, but we promise you that there's no No Fun. There is absolutely no No Fun. I, well, what's the show? <laughs> Look, we don't. I uh, wish matter. we had space. Yeah, but the only space we have is to tell you <laughs> our guarantee. Our guarantee. No, no fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a no homers club. <laughs> Absolutely. Plus, now, are you going to be part of that uh, of the no fun show that is a no fun show? I, I think I'll have limited. I'll have some limited involvement in okay. it. Okay. I'll probably be holding things. All right. My my um, participation has gone down in terms of the shows, not by choice. By David's okay. decree, that's fine. It's his his show. I just like to come and watch. I just like to come and watch. So I would prefer, sure, you know. I did a show last night at Havana. Yeah, I was going to ask how that went. It, it, went, it went really well. Uh, it was a, a show called "Could Be Worse," mm. uh, and so you know we tell stories. Uh, we're trying to do kind of a British chat show. Yeah. Uh, me and Eric fell, mm-hmm. and uh, and we tell stories and then judge which one you know is worse and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, but it was me uh, and uh, uh, Gina Harms, yes. who's a stand-up, mm-hmm. and another stand-up who I'm not going to name because uh, it was supposed to be her, me. Uh, so I heard this other stand-up and me. And we were the guests and Eric was the host. Yeah. Uh, but the other stand-up forgot that she was opening for John Doerr oh, okay. down the street at the Rio. Yeah. <laughs> but she said, like, I'll probably be able to make it up in time. Yeah. She was not able to make it up in time. Mm. So we had an empty seat uh, throughout, which uh-huh. actually turned out to be okay. And sure. it's kind of funny. It's his own talking point. Yeah. But because, like, you get a point for coming in third, she was doing okay, even <laughs> though she didn't show up, which was like, mm, I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> this just feels like socialism. 
you know, fine. She's getting a keeps, participation ribbon. Yeah, just keeps scoring points, and then by the end, it's like it's still anybody's game. The fuck it is. She's not here. What are you talking about? This is wrong. But the one, one, one. You're so very, competitive. Yeah, one very funny thing was like uh, Eric has uh, been collecting fountain pens during the pandemic. That's mm-hmm. a little hobby. He, mm-hmm. has, so. mm-hmm. uh, he handed out a fountain. Like we got to pick fountain pens. Okay. Uh, to use uh, to write things down. And so uh, Gina picks, you know, a pen, and he's like, "Oh, that's a really good pen. Yeah, that's a great pen." And like, and it, was, and it bugged me because it was like, "Oh, this is me at every restaurant," which is like, the person next to me orders a thing, and it's just like, "I'll have the this," and the and the server is like, "All oh, excellent choice. That's my favorite." Yeah. And then I'll go, I'll have the club sandwich. Dead silence. I'm like, yeah, it's fuck. a club sandwich. Yeah, fuck or whatever what do you it think? is. I don't give a shit. I'll but order the, first... the most middle of the road bland. Okay, everyone enough. gets stuff. Thing. That's not the. That's not the point that you should be picking up. The pick. The pickup point is whatever the person next to me orders, uh-huh. they get praised. Yeah, I get bupkis. Yeah, because I ordered the saganaki, which is delicious. Yeah, you ordered yeah. fried cheese in a pan. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's fried fucking cheese. Yeah. What a choice. It's, it's cheese in a pan. Ooh, that's fine. It's okay. And I ordered like the the pizza, the pizza of the house. Yeah. And uh, like, okay. Like, well, aren't you proud of your house pizza? Well, was it your house pizza then? Isn't that a good choice to order the pizza you guys think is the best pizza? No. Well, this guy ordered a slab of cheese in a hot pan. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Everyone likes Saganaki. Yes, because it's cheese in a pan. Yeah, it's good. It's big good. deal. Delicious. Oh, oh, it makes me so fierce. So anyway, <laughs> uh, she order, she gets the uh, pen, and it's like that's a that's a great pen, and describes the pen. Yeah, yeah. This, that, and the other thing, and mm-hmm. then I I get a, a pen. I'll have that pen. You took the big pen. And it's like oh yeah, it's a mm-hmm. German pen. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. It's a German pen. All right. <laughs> so I got the Hitler of pens. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all so, you can do is draw mustaches on things. Right. So uh, the first thing uh, she writes down, she's writing the thing down, writing yeah. the thing down. And then I look up and she is covered in ink. <laughs> covered in ink. Her pants are covered in ink. Her hands oh, no. covered in ink. It's just exploded everywhere. Oh, no. Uh, and it's green ink. <laughs> so it's all over. And uh, and it was just like, oh, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's the good pen. And like, oh, no, you shouldn't have uh, unscrewed it like this. Oh, oh the good pen. Oh, Not she... the good pen. Anyway, okay. she's getting her pants paid for. Yeah. It's all fine and fine. <laughs> And it, it made for some good laughs. Sure. But, uh, you know, my pen was just a sensible pen. Yeah. That just got the goddamn job done mm-hmm. and didn't betray anybody. Ooh, that was great. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks for yeah. that story. Sure. <laughs> I ordered the cheese in a pan. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Oh, cheese in a pan. Delicious, sir. Do you ever make it at home? The gentleman. Yes, we have made it at home. Because uh, you can just buy the cheese and cook Put it. Put it in a pan? Put it in a pan. Yeah. That's all you gotta do. What's your recipe? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> gotta have lemon with it though. And it is, you know, it's more than just cheese in a pan. But is it? No. Cheese in a pan. <laughs> it's so great about it. So simple and yet so delicious. Yeah. You know? It's fine. It's good. I've had it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. Our voices are going high now. <laughs> it's really great. It's all fine. I love it. Really no, I like it more than you. No, I like it the most. Dave. Yeah. Uh, once we get into arguing over cheese in a pan, <laughs> it feels like uh, it may be time to turn the floor over to uh, a reoccurring segment on the show. Oh. Before things get too dark. Before things get too shadowy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We still have light to read by. Oh, particularly since I wrote in the lightest pen in the world. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? Uh, Do you have enough light? 
Oh, no, you can't read that. <laughs> Let me give you this uh, fountain <laughs> pen. It's uh, green. <laughs> well, I started writing in green and it it faded. So I had to move to this other pen and it's okay, very light. Okay, if you light. need more light, I do have a, a light. In it's okay. The... I'll just hold it very close to Okay, me. I do have like an actual reading light that I can put over your shoulder mm. that will uh, help you out. Mm. Okay, wait a second. All right. No, it's keep... fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Okay, I'm good. You, keep re- you keep reading, but I'm going to give you an option. I'm going to give you an option. If you want to use the option, you can yeah. use the option. What, rewrite it with a different pen? No, I've got... Do you I'm have saying, a green pen? What am I saying? Am I saying that I've got a reading light? I do. I'm saying i got a reading light. Oh, okay. Light. There, there you go. Now hold it. You turn it on here. Wait a minute. Let me plug it in. Oh, okay. You'll find it works better if I plug it in. Yeah, that's usually the thing with... Just wait a minute. Hold it. Hold your water. What's... Hold it. Everybody, wait a second. Hold yep. it. Uh, oh, there you go. Nice. Okay, let me turn it on. Let me tell no, you. No, it's not plugged. Oh, I thought you said. I thought you said bam. There now. I thought you said damn, but you meant to say bam. Okay, can we turn it on? Yes. No, it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> no, that's, right. that's great. Thank you. Right, I'm gonna go get some water while you start. Sure. So everyone, we're gonna start with. Uh, we'll start with our little song. Do it. It's a dork shadow. Yay! We missed this. <laughs> Sorry, it's been away, but I've been busy. Hey, you know what? I got my paycheck today. I had twenty hours overtime on it. That's money in my money in my pocket, um, folks. It's been a little while since we were visiting the world of dark shadows. Let's just kind of let's just step back a little bit. Let's talk about where we are in the story. So we know that Barnabas has gone to the past. He's gone back to 1897 using the medium, the very popular time travel medium of the I Ching, not a book of divination, but actually a medium of time travel. And he's um, basically a barnacle on the uh, Collins family of 1897 he um this is be causing a lot of trouble let's put it that way we've got quentin quentin is uh he was dead got stabbed to death by his by his ex or maybe his current wife who has gone mad and she stabbed him and killed him and then he was a zombie for a while and now he's he's back to normal he's back to normal but in the in the doing of this his nephew jameson was was uh, briefly inhabited by quentin's spirit and cause some uh, issues and everything's kind of messy and so and so their father their very dour strict father has sent for a uh, a headmaster of a of a private school has come to take the children to the school mr trask who also brought his daughter charity a, a very uh, buttoned up buttoned up young woman but barnabas barnabas is back the vampire he uh, in the form of a rubber bat entered her room and bit her on the neck. That's where we left off last last time with Dork Shadow. So Charity is now under Barnabas's influence and she swears her loyalty to him. Which I kind of thought was a little bit of a a bit of a bummer because it seemed to me like she was going to be like a kind of fun foil for Barnabas, this very dour, straight-laced young woman who would, you know, not have any kind of interest in his tricks and whatnot. But now She's just a slave to him. So, um, meanwhile, Nora. Yes, Nora. We've hardly heard about Nora. Nora is Jameson's sister, Edward's uh, daughter. And uh, she is. She appears in this episode because uh, Jameson doesn't. So they bring in her because, you know, they had a limited budget for cast. So generally, five or six actors were all they would have on that, each episode. And so if they had five or six act- actors in that episode, you'd see no one else. They'd think they didn't exist. <laughs> so um, Nora's sitting 
in the drawing room staring at the fireplace, which seems to be something she likes to do. Uh, she is excited by the arrival of her father, Edward. Yes, dour, straight-laced Edward has returned. <laughs> they discuss, they, just, they talk about her having to go to, um, to Trask School. I can't remember what it's called now, the Wentworth Academy. I don't think that's the right name, but something like that. And uh, she basically tells him that she and her brother do not want to go. In fact, her brother doesn't want to go so badly, he ran away. Oh, He ran off. He's, he's not in the house right now because he's disappeared. And, you know, he's like, well, I thought that was be would be good for you guys. I didn't realize that you would hate it because now I have to think about this. But he says, I have to think about it. They said they hate the idea. And now he's kind of like, well, I'll think about it. Not let's not do it. But, then you know, let's let's talk about this later because I'm going to send you anyway. <laughs> he meets Charity on the staircase. Okay. Edward meets Charity on the staircase. Uh, and she tells him that her father has returned to the school uh, to do because of business. But she's still staying in the house. But she complains that the light is bothering her. If you remember, Ian, you were out of the room that she got bit by Barnabas. So there's a little bit okay. of hint that she ha- is a vampire, I guess, or or has a bit of vampire tendencies. Well, wait a second. Barnabas, She's not a total vampire, vampire. But Barnabas doesn't have any problem with the light, right? No. I mean, he does, but he's not around in the daytime. Okay. He's sleeping in his coffin. Oh, that's true. So he might have light, light issues. Yeah. He, he's, he's not fond okay. of the sun. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I get you. I get <laughs> all you. Right, all right. So, uh, yeah, but then she, she complains about the light bothering her. Then she, she leaves Edward and she goes outside where she's further discomfited by the light. How do you like that word? Discomfited, everyone. There's mm. that $10 word. Um, Edward is outraged to find Quentin in his study going through his papers. Uh, but then he's like, what are you doing in here? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then Quentin says, I'm looking to find out where Jenny is. Mm. And then Edward is quite taken aback that he even knows that, that Jenny is there at all or that that yeah. has, has he tried calling eight six seven five three oh nine jenny jenny yeah it's a good you know what they do have a phone it's 1897 they have a phone in their house mm-hmm. which i even think in 1897 would have been a a um sign of some wealth to have right. a phone not everyone hey, would Mark, have a phone. get me jenny <laughs> in fact in those days you would the phone would be in a separate room often in a box on the wall right because you wouldn't want to encourage people to use it it was strictly for emergencies. You just didn't Absolutely. like go on and just a yak. Right. That's a waste of time. For normal stuff, you'd use the Ouija board. Like when the girls were younger, I kept the computer locked in a box because it's strictly for emergencies and I didn't want them wasting their time on it. <laughs> Quentin tells Quentin tells Edward that Jenny murdered him, Oh, which he's looking remarkably well. And Edward mentions that, that you're looking remarkably great. He says, well, there's a story behind that. <laughs> I won't go into it right now, but she murdered me, and I'm, I don't want her murdering me again. Right. I'd like to know where she is. I think when someone says something like that, and there's a story behind that, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that later, you kind of go like, I don't think anything's more interesting than that. Well, I think that's the more interesting story is I was murdered and I came sure. back. But for the TV audience, there's nothing less interesting than hearing stuff that happened yeah, it's fair the week before. <laughs> hey, hey, Jesus, how'd you get out of that cave? There's time enough to discuss time, that Let's later. talk about it later, yeah. yeah. I disguised myself as a gardener and snuck off. <laughs> Edward... Um, of course, Edward refuses to tell Quentin where Jenny is because he knows that Quentin's plan is to murder her. So, and he has taken responsibility for her after Quentin abandoned her and she went cuckoo. Uh, Quentin taunts Edward about his wife. So we know that, so originally, I know I was, I felt this way and maybe you felt this way. When they were talking about Jenny originally, I assumed that Jenny was Edward's wife, that she'd gone crazy and they had her locked in the attic, which is where he put locked crazy yeah, people. That's what, yeah, that's right. Totally reasonable. Why else do you have an attic if you well, don't yeah. the crazy ladies up exactly. there? Exactly. And 
And that's a, a sign of a good attic that you can lock someone in that attic. Like my attic, you couldn't. They would fall through the ceiling because it's right. this drywall with some, there's nothing keeping them up there. You could lock them in the basement, but then you feel like a creep. Like, oh, well, I use the basement. Crazy. I don't want to share it with a crazy person. Yeah. You know, so, I, yeah, I've just decided not to have any crazy people in my house. Or if I was going to do that, oh. build a small, build a little house outside and yeah. just, you know, they could live there. Yeah, I'll put a little sign on there saying it doesn't, you don't have to be crazy to live here, but it helps. <laughs> yes. So Quentin taunts <laughs> Edward about, about his wife. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, Edward has a wife, but that's not Jenny. So what's going on here? Who left the family to follow Quentin when Quentin left. She left with Quentin. And then he he dumped her on during during his voyages. Just left her somewhere. <laughs> uh, what a guy. <laughs> Nora then enters the study in perfect time to end this conversation. And she asks Quentin about her mother for some reason. Quentin attempts to... Uh, then she leaves. Right. Edward basically chases her out. Quentin attempts to strike a bargain with Edward. He declares, he says, I was, gonna, I was going to kill Jenny. That was my plan. But if you, let's put it this way. You don't have to tell me where she is if you promise that she will uh, be fine. You know, that she'll just keep her out. And I don't know what his, but I, I don't know what his, uh, I can't remember what his like counterpoint to that was though. I will not kill Jenny <laughs> if you do something for me. But I can't remember where that something was now. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's not important, apparently, because I can't remember. I should have written it down, I guess, but I couldn't remember the time either, I suppose. Uh, back to Nora. She's uh, drawing in her father's study. And, uh, oh, I guess that's what happened. I got mixed up. <laughs> Barnabas and Edward leave, and Nora stays in the study. Okay. That's, I thought he chased her out, but no. She stays in the study. They go out. They have some conversation. I Very vaguely, and I can't remember what it was now. I'm sorry, everyone. It probably was to Quentin, you know, money-related or something. But anyway, back to Nora. Drawing in her father's study. Barnabas enters, and he is struck by the drawing she's doing because she's drawn a pyramid with hieroglyphics underneath it. And Barn- I'm not saying Barnabas is like the most knowledgeable guy in the world, but he recognizes these hieroglyphics as actual hieroglyphics, not like a kid's hieroglyphics of like, right. you know, an owl. They didn't have an owl in Egyptian hieroglyph. They might have. I have no idea. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know anything about it. That but- was just from an old Egyptian Tootsie Pop ad. Yeah, that's right. How many how many bites does it take to get to the center of the pyramid? Right. And then the uh, yeah. crocodile comes out and goes, one, <laughs> and it eats your uh, soul. That's right. So um, Nora claims that the hieroglyphics mean that her mother is coming home. And uh, Barnabas is quite struck by this, of course. And then, and then Ed- Edward enters after Nora leaves. Barnabas shows, so they have a little conversation, Nora leaves, and then Barnabas shows Edward the drawing, and and that um, he shows him the drawing. Oh, yeah, and he also tells, and then he's Edward's kind of upset about this. He's like, why is my daughter... And Barnabas is like, I'm just showing you a drawing she did. I didn't make her draw it. Like, don't get mad at me. Then Edward tells Barnabas that Jameson has returned. This is all happening off camera. Jameson has returned, and he has promised, and... Edward has promised to think more carefully about sending the, the kids to trash school. We cut then to Nora once again, sitting by the fireplace, and a mysterious muttering voice can be heard in the fire. Much like that. Yeah, very deep kind of voice like that can be heard. We cut back to Edward, who's seeing Barnabas to the door. Barnabas says he has someone to meet in town, and he has to go out. You're like, I guess some streetwalker you're going to kill? I don't know. This seems to be what you do in town. Then Nora screams. After Barnabas has left, she runs out to the foyer to tell her father about the voice. He doesn't believe her. And in fact, he drags her back into the drawing room to prove to her that it wasn't, 
that she was just imagining it, mm-hmm. even though she's terrified at the idea of going back into the room. What a dad. <laughs> but instead of a voice, Nora sees the face of her mother in the fire. Ugh. Once again, it's terrible Mother's Day. the pragmatic Edward refuses to believe it. Nonsense, he says. Then Beth enters to tell Edward that she is going into town. In a very kind of way like, I'm going into town. Is there anything you would like me to do <laughs> in town that I'm going to? Wink, wink. That is usually how I go to town. Is that how you go? Yeah, yeah you go to town and going to town. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to the grocery store. <laughs> Is there anything anyone would like me to do? <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, uh, get some cabbage. I see. <laughs> well, then off I go. <laughs> um, Edward, uh, Edward does have something that he wants to, to give her. Okay. But then he also makes her take Nora to her room before she leaves. But almost immediately... Uh, Quentin, well, Quentin enters the room and he basically, oh, sorry, he inter- intercepts Beth taking Nora to her room and basically just shoes Nora upstairs because he wants to talk to Beth. And he confronts her about Jenny. And uh, rather than deny it, Beth says, yeah, what of it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, yeah. you, you destroyed her life. Someone has to look after her. And he goes, so he's like, so I see why. I see why you stayed on here. You know, like he's like accusing her. And she's like, yeah, because I'm looking after someone that you you harmed. As Nora walks to her room, a fire begins to burn in front of her in the hallway. She screams and uh, Beth runs upstairs to to see see the matter. See, like in a normal show, you would have the actual nanny, who is, of course, Rachel. Right. She would be taking care of this problem. But because they already have too many people on the show they, <laughs> they can't have anyone else appear so beth has to be both the person going to town the person taking nora to her room and also the person who runs to nora's aid when right. she hears her scream this is why every show needs the muppets but you have multiple characters multiple yes there you go uh while she's gone quentin sees that beth has left her handbag on the table and he notices an envelope sticking out of it and he takes it out and opens it up and finds it's full of money Nope. Which he then rubs against his face and looks very pleased with himself for finding all these ten dollar <laughs> yeah. bills in an very envelope. Dirty. Yes, That's yes. Gross. he's all kind of like money, money, money. <laughs> when Beth returns, she notices the missing envelope and demands that Quentin return it. Which is funny because while she's looking at her handbag, he's standing behind her, going like, <whistles> like actually whistling, like you know, like the most obvious, like so. I, it, I don't think he seriously was like stealing from her, although he did steal from her. Maybe if she hadn't said anything, he wouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. But, you know, he's not, he doesn't, so as soon as she notices it's gone and demands that he returns it to her. Uh, and of course she says, you know, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to tell Edward, you know. And so he's like, oh, here you go. But Quentin eventually agrees. Uh, oh, yes. Here's where Quentin does, does some real hard bargaining here. He basically tells Beth that he's going to look for Jenny. He's going to find where she is. And he's going to kill her. Oh, but he agrees. Okay. He tells her, "We will. I'll. I'll agree to stop. Stop looking for her if you're. If you're gonna, you know, be my lover." And then he plants a big giant smooch on her lips. Okay. And Beth is torn between two her, lovers. Feel- well, there you go. <laughs> she yeah. She she well. She's torn between two feelings. One is her desire for Quentin. Right. She does really. He is a handsome dude. You know. 
and she's quite tall, and he's tall, so that's a yeah, there you go. That's that makes sense. Really. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. A couple of tall. It's hard. It's hard for her to find someone her size. Sure. Like you know, she's a tall lady. So, uh, but also she has a duty to Jenny. You know, and but actually by by doing this, she's actually <laughs> she's actually following both. She's actually helping Jenny and also getting her end of. But uh, meanwhile, Nora is lying in bed, very tired. Her father's with her, and he wishes her a good night and leaves the room. And a restless Nora dreams. She's kind of t- turning and tossing in bed. And then they, I guess they switch cameras. So they switch to a camera that has like Vaseline rubbed around the okay. lens. So you get this dreamy effect. But they also change the lighting. So it goes from like realistic lighting to now like kind of a purple themed lighting. So everything kind of has a purple, is bathed in a purple glow. And so through this Vaseline smeared camera, we see Laura, Nora, sorry, Nora still lying in bed. There are three loud knocks at the door. Edward answers to find a hooded woman. In a, in a rage, he refuses to let her in and sends her away. Nora, standing on the landing above, yells, No, mother! And she runs downstairs to let her in, and she says, I can let her in through the back door. But Edward blocks her way and says, She will never come in this house, never, and tears up her drawing of the pyramid with the oh, hieroglyphics okay. underneath. But like a larger version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tears it up. She's so upset, she runs outside. She's walk- and she walks through the woods. She's excited to see the hooded figure. But as she approaches, the figure disappears, leaving behind the empty robe. Edward appears again, tearing up the drawing and shouting that he will never, that she will never return. Nora wakes up, terrified, screaming. Her screams finally bring Beth to comfort her. Meanwhile, Quentin comes to Edward and tells him that he has given up his search for Jenny. Edward is suspicious of his motives and says, you don't do anything without something that benefits you. Mm. Nora wakes up again and hears knocking. She gets out of bed. But the, it's, it's a Dark Shadows knock. <laughs> so that was a knock. Um, she gets out of bed and... Uh, got to turn the page, everybody. Sure. She gets out of bed as Quentin and Edward talk and have a drink. Nora goes outside. In the woods, she discovers the robe from her dream laying on the ground. And she's so excited to find it. As she looks at it, a black-clad arm with a coiled gold bracelet reaches out from off camera and grabs her shoulder. She looks up in surprise. And there we go. We'll leave it there for this week. Oh, wow. Are we leaving? Okay. Very good. (laughs) Spooky. Spooky end. Yeah, it was a good ending. It was an interesting interesting couple episodes. I only only watched a couple this week. Sorry, Vody. Like I say, I've I've been doing a lot of overtime, so my... uh, my staying awake powers are, are limited. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're getting some sleep. I am getting sleep. And that's about all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you, are you you done with your overtime now? Or no, still it's, still, it's still going on. Okay. Uh, the last couple of days, I didn't do any because uh, other, people, other people have to stay there in order for me to do overtime. And, oh, is that right? So, um, yeah, I don't have, a lock, I don't have the, the power to lock up. So. Okay. So, uh, yeah. But uh, next week, back to the old grind. But I'm, it's better. But unfortunately, another trailer is coming on Monday, most likely. Mm. So even though I'm caught up to a degree, I still haven't done all the paperwork. I still have four different loads to go through and do all the paperwork for them. I have another load coming oh. <laughs> on Monday. So I plan to go in early again on, on, on Monday to try and to catch up a little bit before the onslaught begins. Okay. So last week on the show, we're going to go over to our mailbag. Let's do the mailbag uh, theme song. Mailbag! All right. <laughs> uh Last week on the show, we yep. asked, uh, what book that you borrowed from the library as a child had a big impact on you? And yes, we have been tracing uh, uh, who has uh, unreturned library books, and we have reported many of you. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Dave, may I ask you to turn that light off? Oh, sure. Is it, it's flashing in your yeah, eyes. Yeah, uh, I'm about to confess to some crimes. <laughs> and the Where other- were you on the night of February 22nd? My birthday. Where were you? Oh, I was uh, singing happy birthday to you. Oh, quietly you. to myself. Because <laughs> I wasn't invited to the party. Um, the sub-question of the week was, do you do yoga? If so, what has it done for you lately? I um, said lately? No. Okay. <laughs> I was no. wondering. I was like, well, that's what a weird... What has it done for you a- lately? <laughs> It's a weird turn. Downward dog. Um, <laughs> so our first uh, letter uh, comes from Billy, who writes, because uh, uh, we were talking a little bit about the Great Brain, because I do like those Great Brain books. Uh, another of the Great Brain series had an impact on me when I was young. I checked out the Great Brain at the Academy first for some reason, and I enjoyed it so much I went back because I remember there were other Great Brain books on the shelf. Couldn't wait to read more. Next would be Agatha Christie's the Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Uh, not having uh, read many, if any, mystery novels as a young teen, I was shocked and fascinated by the ending. I read all of the Hercule, Hercule Poirot mysteries in the next year or so. Hmm. There we go. I, I read yeah, I read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd in book grade eight. Did you like it? I did not like it. I thought the ending... <laughs> okay. I felt cheated by the ending of it. All right. I don't know what the ending is, and so I will have to read it, and I will find out. <laughs> Or just look at the uh, Wikipedia. I could do that as well. Laurel Robertson writes, Hello, Ian and David and sneakers all. Uh, This episode was a lot of fun. So many laugh out loud moments for me. (laughs) David, your radio music choices were fantastic. Oh, thank you. Uh, The first radio song that came to my mind uh, when you said the the music topic was Turn Your Radio On by Ray Stevens. (laughs) It's an oldie gospel tune and was a, a big favorite of my family. We could all do harmonies on that one. Might not have fit in with your selections. <laughs> That's funny, though, because as we talked about, the Loudon Wainwright song was recorded at Ray Stevens' studio in Asheville. Very good. Uh, an immediate answer came to my mind with question number one. The Witch of Blackbird Pond by Elizabeth George Spear hmm. was a library book that made a tremendous impression on me. It's a historical novel for adolescents that takes place in colonial New England. I have a copy around here somewhere that I bought a few years ago at a library sale. I'm saving it for my granddaughters who are very little now. Uh, hopefully I will uh, find it again before they are of age. Because, Chris Roberts, that's the kind of thing very, very sweet grandmothers do for their grands. You see? <laughs> that's nice. Uh, it goes on to say, I do not do yoga. I have a stretch routine head to toe that I do every morning first thing. After getting my coffee, an hour after rising, I take our two dogs for a long woods hike over hills and dales. Wherever our 10 feet take us. <laughs> uh, I just want to mostly want to be outside. So there's lots of gardening to do or shoveling, pushing a mower or weed eating, depending on weather and season. Plus, my job is physical uh, with it being massage. My husband is usually uh, the dog hiker in the evenings. And if I'm home, I generally run along with. <laughs> just now, I'm waiting to hear uh, from the oldest grandchild. He is 15. And if he's allowed, I'm taking him to see Morbius. Another thing that one of the very nicest of grandmas would do. Uh, listen, I've seen Morbius. That is not one of the nicest things you could do. <laughs> but if he wants to see it, then it is a very nice thing to do. In theory. <laughs> Ciao all and have a pleasant week. Laurel, I'm so sorry if you ended up seeing Morbius. Are you okay? Do you need to talk about it? We can talk. We'll talk. It's okay. I'm so sorry. Um, and so on and so forth. Oh, Morbius. By the way, talking of uh, weed eaters, yeah. uh, ours got swiped. 
We wow. had it uh, just outside the door here. We were very trusting. Yeah. It got swiped. And uh, we had um, uh, a little uh, kind of fire pit yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The propane, propane fire pit. Yeah, yeah, swiped. Both of them got swiped. And oh. the, the person that swiped them used, um, uh, you know, one of those things that you, uh, you know. You uh, hand dolly kind of thing. Hand yeah. dolly. Yeah. And left the dolly. Probably stolen too. Could be. So we kept the dolly. <laughs> It's annoying, you know. Uh, it's not yeah, it super sucks. annoying. It wasn't like the most expensive things in the world, but it was. It was like, ah, I guess we can't trust to, yeah. to leave things out. That sucks, you know. I felt like they were hidden enough mm. that you'd really have to come into the yard and look yeah. around and find it. People and I guess that, someone I guess. decided it was worth the while. To, and I, so I don't like the idea that someone was in our yard looking yeah. around our shit. Yeah. And so, uh, boo, boo to thieves. So you're gonna put a uh, spiked pit in the backyard with le- the cover of leaves over it. Yeah, which is a drag because uh, Nina's coming over on Monday for a, a D&D thing. I should probably not have the pit then. Well. fall into it. <laughs> You're not going to do the, the, the D&D thing outside, are you? Yeah, but you have to walk outside to get to the door. Oh, I see. So I feel like her and her husband, Bob, might fall in the pit. Yeah. It's a rough yeah. thing. I'm sure they have cell phones they can call. Yeah, they're fine. Okay, I'll, uh, the, pit, the pit's gone. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes uh, to Laurel. Uh, Laurel, uh, I want to be the kind that that kind of go to. I want to be that kind go grandfather too. I'm not sure that makes sense. Taking grandkids to the movies. I have zero grandkids, but I have a feeling my daughter and son-in-law are heading that way. Let us know how Morbius is. Oh, don't don't make someone describe how Morbius is. <laughs> uh, I think he meant a go-to grandfather. That kind of yeah, sure. And then nasty Chris Roberts writes, ha ha, my devious plan <laughs> to get Laurel to admit that she is the nicest person in the world has succeeded. Mm-hmm. Only now I look like the bad guy. Oh, well, it ain't the first time. Plus, it gives me a great excuse to share this wonderful cartoon from Ian and Pia. And then there's a cartoon that is uh, being shared from Go Comics. Uh, oh, Mannequin on the Moon. Very nice. Let's see what the cartoon <laughs> is. Ah, that's nice. It's a funny cartoon. Uh, so go to, uh, yeah. Go to uh, sne- sneakydragon.com and look at our letters. and uh, Or, hey man, just go to gocomics.com, enter Mannequin on the Moon, and every day enjoy a delicious comic <laughs> from my wife, Pia Guerra, and myself. They're very good. Thank you so much. Mannequin on the Moon. Uh, often featured in Comics I Don't Understand, the website. <laughs> Is that a, have a good discussion about the it. actual comic? This, yes, uh, yeah, say? it was it, the funniest. Is like when Nina found out about that, and then just was writing, "What don't you understand? It's simple." And every one of them, some <laughs> of them, some of them are just they like them, and so they put them up for that. But yeah, some they legitimately do not. Maybe understand. it's a bit. Yeah, uh, Louise writes Louise? A, book, a book that had a big impact on me as a young reader was "The Year of the Unicorn" by Andre Norton. Mm. It's a fantasy novel in which a misfit orphan switches places with an aristocrat and becomes one of a group of tribute brides to a clan of shapeshifter mercenaries. That old chestnut. <laughs> Will she discover very she, complicated. Well, she discovers she has unknown powers on her own? Very likely. <laughs> and it turns out you can judge a book by its cover, at least by the groovy ace paperback cover by J.H. Breslow. She sent us a copy of the cover. Yes, the we'll, oh, we'll put it, on, put it on the website. After finding this book, I read every Andre Norton fantasy and sci-fi novel our library had, but this one was my favorite. Like Laurel, I also read the classic The Witch of Blackbird Pond. Sad to say... There are still religious communities as uh, there are still religious communities as superstitious, bigoted, and controlling as the one portrayed in the book. Yes, boo. 
Uh, yes, I'm, I'm part of the Anglican, Anglican community. I don't appreciate you uh, saying that. Yeah. I'm part of the Anglican. We're just so mad. <laughs> I'm so damn mad. In the beginning, oh, created heaven and the earth. Can you believe it? Oh. It's been trouble ever since. Oh, don't even start. All downhill from and there. And on the seventh day, get this. Um, he said, don't touch the apple. She said, what? I ate the apple. I'm so mad. Get out of here! Oh, we're leaving already! <laughs> Shut up, you! I'm walking! How about the snake? Ah, give him some legs! Legs? What? How's that pun? Take his legs away! That's what you... All right, we'll take the legs away. I was going to give him more legs. Make him a centipede. <laughs> what the hell's a centipede? You shut up! It's like a millipede, but we take away some legs. Anyway, uh, Luis goes on to say, I've taken uh, yoga classes. Even even insects have decimalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, metric. Uh, I've taken yoga classes, but I find them boring. Uh, I know you're supposed to practice being mindful while holding these long poses. I end up thinking thoughts like, I'm paying a fee to lie on my back and breathe. I can do that at home. But the exercises are really good for flexibility, strength, and balance. So I do them while watching TV or reading a book. Hmm. That book being The Year of the Unicorn. Yep. Secret of the Unicorn? No, Year of the Unicorn. Secret of the Unicorn is a Tintin book. Yes, that's true. We talk about it in our podcast. Totally tinted. I, I enjoy uh, YA novels. Even today, I still like to read them every once in a while. That one sounds kind of fun. I, th- I think it could, I might give it a, a look. What superhero has a villain called the Unicorn? Which superhero? Yeah, I'll say I'll tell you this much. Marvel superhero. Uh, would it be Spider-Man? No, though that's an excellent guess. Oh, I'm thinking of the rhinoceros. You're thinking of the rhino? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Let me think about it a bit more. Uh, that would be Captain Marvel, the female one, because... Women love unicorns. It is Iron Man. What? The guy's got like a little horn on his head and he shoots a beam out of it. Hmm. It's not great. <laughs> Edward Dragansky uh, returns oh. in Live and Let Die. No, uh, in uh, in this uh, thing. Uh, thinking back on the last few episodes, I stand very corrected. Oh, Here comes the judge was indeed Sammy Davis Jr. on Laugh-In oh. and not Flip Wilson as I had stated. Some uh, cam- conflation, 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 Con- conflation, conflation. Thanks yes. so much. Conflation these days is going crazy. And <laughs> I going... blame Joe Biden. When I was driving here, uh, I got a call from. Um, we're taking the truck in tomorrow for some service, and uh, got a call from the from the. Uh, we're taking it to our where we where we bought it. Got a call from them asking if we're interested in trading it in. Okay. I said, uh, well, it's something we drive. So he's like, I can give you like 100 grand for it. And I was like, but but the thing is, it's like a high tide raises all boats. So you can get 100 grand for your truck. That means trucks are 100 grand. So you're not getting anything more for it. You still have to buy another vehicle. And they're all super inflated in, in price. So no. Okay. Anyway, we had a pleasant talk. though. He seemed like a nice guy. How, uh, how often do you use your truck? How what, sorry? How often do you use your truck? Well, Lisa drives it every day, and of course, that's what we usually oh, pull a horse trailer and stuff right, like that. Enough, so we, we don't really, we can't do without a truck. So okay, it's a it's a no go. Jeez, Louise. I know it's crazy. They really everything is everything is nuts right now. You know what's not got nuts? A hundred grand bar. <laughs> that's all rice crispy <laughs> treats. It's just because, well, and the problem is if you people are going to be borrowing now, like rate, like interest rates are going to be going up soon yep. like a lot yep so be careful don't put yourself into a hole because uh that hole can get really deep really fast yep my advice well we had to uh do one of those government loans 
at the start of the uh, you know thing with it's mm. uh, but they're being reasonable about it, so that's nice. That's good. But it's still occasionally we'll look at it and go, huh. <laughs> anyway. What we're saying is we may steal your truck. Um, <laughs> Edward uh, gives us Exhibit A of uh, which is an example here, and so there's there about the here comes the judge in this. Uh, then continues to go on. Ian, you mentioned that Gil Kane drew his characters from an angle that looked right up their noses. We used to joke about about that back when I worked at Lone Star. We would joke about it at the comic box. Uh, <laughs> we would play uh, comic artist charades. One was throwing our heads back with our nostrils flared and our eyes bugged out. Gil Kane, we'd shout. The other Gil Kane charade was to pose like uh, an anatomy model and saying, "See all my muscles under my skin and every knuckle in my fingers." Gil Kane, Gil Kane, we'd shout. Or maybe even Burn Hogarth, who I think doubled as Mr. Mooney on the Lucy show. Yeah. Ah, Lucy, look at these dramatic folds and lighting. Uh, eh, I can't draw. He, uh, don't he even was a curmudgeon, that Burn Hogarth. Eh, eh. Uh, don't even uh, get me going on Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Great music on the show. Bouncy AF. Just oh, like Ian said. Thanks. Uh, I discovered uh, more great music from what uh, David shares on Sinky Dragon. It's always great to have uh, the listening party peppered in every other week. Oh, thank you. And I camped out in the movie and biography section of the library looking for Marx Brothers books as a kid. Once I found them, I'd go to the copy machines and make copies of my favorite pages. Then I'd take the book home to read it and the copies to draw from. I also checked out Marx Brothers albums. So I could take them home and record them onto cassette. Many of the Marx books were out of print, so I couldn't buy them. Just check them out over and over again. The books I wanted to own uh, had me spending my allowance at the bookstore, and I still own every one of them. I've never tried yoga, but my wife Susan just started looking into it, so it's funny that it's been frequently mentioned on the podcast. My manager at work has been doing yoga for years, so she's helping Susan get started and giving her some tips. So far, Susan uses the treadmill a few days a week, but she wants uh, to add in some yoga now as well. And I'm off to watch the Love and Thunder trailer a dozen more times. <laughs> Everyone enjoy their weekend and the following week. Yeah, that is a, that's a nice trailer. Haven't seen, haven't seen it. It's fun. Probably won't see it. That's too bad. Um, <laughs> Why? Because it's fun. I want to see the movie. That's not, oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay. Trailers are their own thing. Uh, and they don't necessarily... Uh, okay, but that's fine. It's fine. We can get into a long discussion about that. Uh, nice Chris Roberts writes. Oh. Wow. I guess he drank the formula. Yes. Changed them. Yes. Wow. That first question brought back a vivid memory of finding a book called uh, Breton Folktales in uh, Green Knock Library when I was around nine or ten. As I remember, this was a collection of stories in a similar vein to the Brothers Grimm, or only even weirder, if you can imagine. <laughs> I loved that book and kept renewing and rereading it as long as I could. I've never been great at remembering plots. It was the spooky, unpredictably, b- unpredictable atmosphere that hooked me, and the overarching vision of a world where pretty much anything could happen and nothing was what it seemed to be. Also, the protagonist of most of the stories was a naive young idiot, an archetype I still find immensely relatable for some mysterious reason. <laughs> and from time to time over the years, I've rummaged around <laughs> in secondhand bookstops, uh, bookshops for a copy with no success. However, prompted by you fine dragon people, I went online after uh, this week's show, and a copy is uh, even now making its way from Dunfermline to Inverness. Woo! Nice. And, if you will, whoo! 
<laughs> if you're interested, I'll let you have an update once it arrives. Please do. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. The thing that got me into yoga was marrying a yoga teacher. Admittedly, that might not work for everyone. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm flexible. <laughs> oh, we all have a nice, nice laugh. There's no place like home. <laughs> Again, just take it, take a moment and just enjoy it. Um, although I practice daily, I rarely attend a class. One of the great things about yoga is you can do it by yourself pretty much anywhere with no need for equipment or even much space. Hmm. A class is helpful, though, for the guidance a good teacher can offer someone who's just starting out, particularly if you have uh, one of your own at home. In defense of uh, paying to lie on your back and breathe, I have to say a lot of people really struggle to know how to relax, and it's a very useful skill to learn. I can see that. Yep. There's also uh, several different forms. So you shouldn't be put off by those pictures of human pretzels that uh, really just reflect one extreme. The style that Diane practices is called Hatha Yoga and is very gentle with a lot of emphasis on movement and breathing rather than holding a rigid pose for what feels like forever. You know what they say, Hatha Yoga is better than none. That's not uh, to knock the other kinds. Different strokes. Yeah, that's true. You can get a different stroke if you use the wrong type of yoga, so be very careful. That's true, actually. Uh, Now that I'm in my seventh decade and no longer a sprightly 50-something like Ian and Dave, I uh, (laughs) find yoga incredibly good for subtleness, suppleness, flexibility, posture, and yes, breathing and relaxation. Uh, Why some days I even get off the couch without grunting. Bye! (laughs) Oh, nice. Chris has borrowed uh, Regis's... uh... Uh, send off, sign off, I guess. Well, you know, Bye. Uh, we've never seen the two of them in the same place. That's true. One's in France and one's in, one's in Scotland. And we have, uh, well, you think that, but how do we know? We, it's true. Also, we've established that no Chris, evidence. No evidence. much like Moon Knight, has multiple personalities. <laughs> so one could be a nice Frenchman. Yeah. I believe one of Moon Knight's personalities was a Frenchman. Hmm. Um, in the comics. I in the comics, know. I think. I don't I'd have to, uh, have to ask uh, various people like Edward. Uh, he might remember. Hey, Edward, how about all those times they tried to bring Moon Knight into uh, popularity? Remember <laughs> all of those times? Remember how it never worked? Well, maybe it will now. We'll see. The show's pretty good. Uh, Matt Smith writes, Ahoy! Uh, I have nothing... I don't know if he says it like that. I've said I have nothing yoga-wise to add, but always happy to chime in on books. Oh, great. Uh, funny thing uh, is I've rediscovered libraries of late having in the past year or two Taken to reading new and some old books for free, overpaying Amazon or Barnes and Noble for the privilege. From my earlier days, however, the Beatles and Illustrated Record by Tony Tyler and Roy Carr and the Hunter Davies 1968 Beatles biography are the first two that come to mind. <laughs> I was born in 63 and, though aware of the band, didn't come to become a raging Beatlemaniac until 72, 73 or so. Wasn't uh, the wealth of Beatles books back then, and if wasn't there wasn't the wealth of Beatles books back then, and of course, no internet, Amazon, etc. Was always a thrill when a new Beatles book showed up in the bookstore. Growing up with the Beatles, all together now, and so on. Anyway, the Davies and Tyler Carr books were the only Beatles-related tomes in the Fort Worth Public Library back then. I have devoured them and kept them checked out pretty much nonstop. Took a while, you kid with no money. Uh, but finally got my own copies. Still have them. And in fourth grade social studies, we covered Antarctica for a few days. Previously, I'd been aware of the existence of the South Pole and all. But other than knowing it's the one where Santa doesn't live, I paid no attention to it. <laughs> uh, the anti-Santa lives there. Gotta avoid that guy. Uh, but the two or three days spent on Antarctica fascinated me to no end. 
and I checked every book available out from the school and city libraries. Still fascinated with the place, truth be told. Was a big uh, fan of the Alfred Hitchcock and Three Investigators books in my younger days as well. Haven't thought about those in years till this question came up. Many are out of print now and go for a pretty penny. Wouldn't mind reading one or two to see how they hold up. Keep up the good work and take care, Matt Smith. <laughs> Ahoy! Ahoy! I was going to say something. Please do. About that. Do it. Say it. <laughs> Tell the truth, Dave. But I, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. Dave, you are the truth teller. I uh, Speak it. Thank you, everyone, for writing. We I love getting love getting your messages. Love hearing from you. Absolutely. Did we have anything email? We did have some emails. Very good. Would you mind I, taking over the emails? I am going to read them. Please do. Here's Dave with the emails. Time for the emails with Dave. You might ask, when's the time? The time is now. Why don't you get on with it? Stop singing the song and let Dave talk. It's the emails with Dave. Dave. Thank you. I thought Second there was... verse got edited out in post-production. <laughs> Is that the third verse? That was actually the fourth verse. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Two verses. That song was way too long. This is from John Halbrooks, who uh, it's called Questions of the Week. That's the subject. And he says, I'm going to my phone on my, myself. He says, Shock it to me. Before getting to this week's questions. Oh, he says, hello, gentlemen. Ah. I always like to say that because I like being called a gentleman. Sure. I like being called young. I like that. Last, uh, <laughs> not as young as you guys. Oh, hell, I will. I've never like, oh. <laughs> not as young as you guys. Hello, oh. gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Before getting to this week's questions, yeah. I must correct an impression that I didn't mean to make in my letter last week. When I asserted that our department is fabulous, but the rest of the university leaves much to be desired, I was referring to university administration rather than the other academic departments. Uh -huh. My colleagues and other departments are wonderful, but we are all troubled by a university administration that holds faculty in contempt, that makes its decisions with no long-term vision, mm -hmm. and that seems more concerned about the football stadium than our deteriorating academic facilities. But I suppose that's life in the South. If Friday night footballs, or is that what it's called? Friday night lights. Friday night lights, yeah. If that's anything to be uh, to judge by, it, it is life in the South. Question of the week. My parents let me buy lots of books when I was a child, so I was not as avid a library patron as I would later become. However, I do remember checking out Carl Sagan's Cosmos, the companion to the TV series, yeah. which obsessed me when I was about 10 years old. So much so that I thought I wanted to become an astronomer. But math was a problem, though I eventually did take astronomy in college and enjoyed it very much. I think that I renewed that book until the library wouldn't let me renew it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Cosmos, uh, Carl Sagan. Yeah, it's great. I especially remember him uh, demonstrating physically demonstrating the the word or the number Google. How okay. uh, he was in like a monastery, and he just had like all this this big long string of paper, which he like took all around this this huge building, and it was just like endless it seemed endless so oh, it, was just, wow. it was a good way of like demonstrating how much it is because it really is you know numbers like that are impossible to to quantify in your mind you can't possibly understand how big things are you know like we can't comprehend like how big the universe is it's impossible sub question of the week yes as i mentioned last week yoga has become very important to me i'm not particularly flexible or athletic 
But I think that the me oh sorry I was going to say the wrong word. But I think that the meditative aspects of yoga, along with the physical challenges in some classes, appeal to me more than most other forms of exercise, other than hiking, which I also enjoy. Oh, you guys are putting me off yoga. Are you comparing it to hiking? <laughs> oh, hiking is just hard walking, and I don't like walking. I had to give it up during the pandemic. I have trouble doing yoga at home by myself, partly because every time I put out the mat, my Doberman thinks that it's playtime. But it's mostly because I feel that I need to be in a separate space when I do yoga, away from home and work, in order to settle my mind, and it helps me to have the guidance of a good teacher in the actual room with me. My wife tells me that when I'm practicing regularly, I seem much less anxious and generally in better spirits, and thus less subject to my recurring depressive episodes. The physical benefits have been real too. Certain classes, power and vinyasa, for example, are quite good workouts. And various aches and pains that used to bother me, especially in my hips,、mm-hmm. have mostly vanished. Oh, that's good. That is good to hear. So I'm not an evangelist or anything. It's certainly not for everyone, but I know that it has helped me a great deal. And by the way, Dave, we don't say namaste at, at the end of class in our studio, except for one teacher who very charmingly ends class sometimes with namaste, y'all. <laughs> no backwards dragon update this week. I have to get through. <laughs> I have to get through the end of the semester first, along with my daughter's wedding, which、ah. is next week, which is next week,、okay. in the Domin- in the Dominican Republic, and I'm officiating. Oh wow! Wish me luck. Well, first, congratulations yeah, on your yeah, daughter's yeah. marriage. That's a wonderful moment in a dad's life, and also congratulations on officiating. I wish you the best of luck, and I'm sure you'll do a fantastic job.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, you know, if it goes starts going a little bit sideways, do the downward dog, and all will be right. Yeah. But I am in a better place this week than I was last week. I'm very excited about the upcoming questions episode because I have、oh. questions,、oh. so many oh. questions. Oh, Sending love to sneakers、oh, everywhere, John. Well, thank you, John, for bringing that up because I just want to remind everyone that yes, this is episode three hundred. Oh, sorry, five hundred and forty, five hundred forty-two. I can't believe that we're up in the five hundreds. That's weird. Yeah. Episode five hundred forty-two. That means eight more episodes until our question episode. Please get questions in. John sounds like he has a very good plan. He's going to put in as many questions as he can,、yep. and increase his chances of winning our fabulous prize, which, as I stated before, is a T-shirt, a coffee mug, a book, and some other assorted paraphernalia, which we'll throw in a box and mail to you. We'll have to draw in our fabulous. Prob- I found the、uh, pr- I found the、uh, raffle hat. Oh, good, good. So, bringing in the prize hat, we'll have the names in there. We'll draw them out, and you. Might be the lucky winner. Who's the、uh, speaking questions? Who's the creator of the questions? Of、uh, the question, the character. Who, who's the what? Sorry.、Uh, who's the creator of the comic? Steve Ditko. You're right.、Okay. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. I'm a big fan of his, so of course I know.、Uh, here's our next one. This is from Brent Tannehill. The subject is old question of the week. So oh, this is from the past. Oh, jeez, let's cast、uh, your mind back to the old, <laughs> the old days. Old times. It's not the reverse dragon. It's <laughs> the backwards、uh, dragon. Remember, hey, Dave. Remember、uh, old times. I do remember the old days. Well, obviously, remember the question. I remember those in by, the f-、uh, Steve Ditko. And you follow our lead. Don't be afraid to be old. We don't mind old questions, and we don't mind your old answers either. <laughs> That'd be interesting if one day your voice just does it. <laughs> it's just like it's just, it's just like immediately goes. 
I think what, it, what that the, does, hey, that hey, does sure, happen. Listen, Shani, what the happen. hell? Is, what are you talking about? What did I get old voice? What they, what's this bullshit? <laughs> I've turned into Walter Brennan. Oh, right. Go, oh go, no. Go. I'm doing a little dance. They're all helots. Helots, I tell you. That's his character from Meet John Doe. Okay. There's the one in the To Have and Have Not keeps talking about, uh, keeps asking a question. Have you ever had something or others? I can't remember what it was now. That, that, you know what that tells me? Time to watch that movie again. Sure, sure. Sorry, anyway. Sorry, Brent. We ended up talking <laughs> over your letter. Yeah, we did, uh, but let's let's read it. Not in that voice. Let's read it in my voice. Which sounds like... No, it doesn't sound like that. A few episodes ago, you asked what was your best and worst job. I think my worst job was when I worked at a chicken ranch. And we had to move all the chickens from their current residence to a new one. you think that there would be an automated way to do this. But there wasn't. We carried 10 chickens at a time, five <laughs> per hand, and walked down a long corridor to their new home. As you would imagine, they didn't like being hung upside down by one leg very well. They fought us all the way to their new cage. By the end of the day, every one of us was covered in chicken poop. The only good thing about the job was that we got all the free eggs that we wanted, which came at a time when I was very poor, and free eggs were a big deal. Well, it's the sort of job you only do because you're very poor. Okay. You know, that's sort of a student job sounding to me not not a fun job my best job was fortunately my career which was which was working for the forest service i did a lot of interesting and fun jobs fighting forest fires climbing trees in central park identifying rare plants calling for owls in the middle of the night building trails etc okay that all sounds great by the <laughs> way but the best job was when i worked on the wilderness crew my job was to go backpacking in the mount hood wilderness this is in Washington, Brent's talking about everyone, in the Mount Hood wilderness and make public contact when needed. I can't think of a better job than that. You mentioned making ice cream from scratch. You don't need an ice cream maker, just a mixer. Whip up two cups of whipping cream, a teaspoon of vanilla, and a can of sweetened condensed milk. Yep. Pour it into a baking dish and freeze. That's all it takes. If you add instant coffee, chopped almonds, and chocolate syrup, you have mocha almond fudge. If you add strawberries, you have strawberry ice cream. You can make any flavor you want. He tells us to keep up the good work. Oh, Thank you, Brent. And don't forget, Brent, to ask us some questions. You might win some fun prizes. And anyone who sends questions gets a sticker, by the way, <laughs> which I'm making right now. Uh, we had someone write in. Rebecca Lang Langevin wrote in to tell us that she had bought Sparks. Oh. I hope she enjoys it. Thank you for writing in, Rebecca. We appreciate that. And Matthew Sanborn Smith also wrote. He said his subject is about last Sunday. And then in brackets, 541, which as everyone knows, Fahrenheit 541 is the temperature paper burns at, right? No, it's 451. Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, 451. <laughs> I always think that when I'm uh, baking something, mm. then I'm like, okay, so I've got parchment paper in here. Yeah. Can I have parchment paper and set the thing for 450? It seems like I'm just courting disaster there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's about to catch Just in the point of it. And yeah. also, yeah, don't put the cookbook in the oven either. Yeah, that's true. Hello, men. Says Matthew Sanborn Smith. I like that as well. <laughs> He's taking off the gentle dis men. Hello, men. Hi, hope, men. Hope I'm getting this under the in under the wire. Yes, you are. Just in time. In the boys' comics, there were indeed soups in World War II. The American soups were called the Avenging Squad and and lasted on oh, the front lines. Superheroes, yes. The superheroes, yes. Yeah, it sounds like soups as in, like, did they have soup back then? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I guess, <laughs> as I should have been more specific, I was reading the yeah, word soups. Yeah, chicken noodle. They, yeah, uh, what would you think about soups when it's chatter. spelled so differently? 
Um, yes, there were indeed superheroes in World War II in the boys' universe. The American superheroes were called the Avenging Squad and lasted on the front lines for maybe a couple of hours before, before being shredded by Germans in various horrible Garth Ennis ways. They had a soldier boy, but not the same soldier boy that turned up in the present day. The Germans created Stormfront, but he, yes, he, it's played by she in the show. Okay. Really great performance. Yeah. Was brought to the States in 1938. So he didn't fight in the war, but he was a hardcore Nazi. The only truly good superhero in the book, superheroes in the book are Starlight. I guess her real name is Annie January. Mm -hmm. And a team of heroes called Super Duper, some of whom are developmentally disabled. There's supposed to be a parody of the Legion of Superheroes. Super Duper's unofficial leader is Anti-Sis, a person so nice she doesn't deserve to be in the same comic or on the same planet as the rest of those monsters. And then he adds, I'm pretty sure the song Ian was trying to think of was Dream Lover Sounds right. by Bobby Darren. Sounds very right. Matthew ends his letter by instructing us to have fun. And I'll pass that on to you, dear listener. He's also telling you to have fun. So please listen to Matthew and have fun. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. I love getting emails. We love getting your comments on the website. Ian. Yeah. Questions of the week. Yeah. Do you have one? Uh, yeah, I do. But first, I'm going to ask you <laughs> another uh, comic book question. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, the question. Yes. Uh, used to be part of uh, uh, in DC Comics recently mm. in the New Fifty Two. Okay. Part of a group uh, called the Tr- uh, Trinity of Sin. Trinity of Sin. Trinity of Sin. So they're characters who do bad things. Yeah, they they're dealing with the original sins. So like the demon, old timey sins. So we had the we had the question. Question. Yeah. They don't really say what his sins were. Yeah. Uh, Pandora. Okay, she opened, she opened a box, thing. and uh, and uh, and uh, Judas. Yes. Okay. Now Judas. Yeah. Actually, is uh, quite a well-known superhero who has joined the Justice League I see. in the past and has been a member of the Justice League since the seventies. Wow. What character mm. goes by another name when he's in the Justice League? Yeah. But he's actually Judas, the betrayer of Jesus <laughs> in the in the in the Bible. Uh, okay. But but yeah. uh, he also has a superhero name. Sure. Because he's a superhero and he's yeah. joined the Justice League. Uh, what's a superhero name? Well, something so religious, I can only think of that it would be Archie Andrews. Would be the. Uh, you think Archie Andrews the has Spire, joined the Justice League? Yeah, Aspire Comics, Archie Andrews has joined. No, okay. Um, I'll tell you this. He Judas? wears a hat. He wears, he wears a, kind of a fedora hat. Where's a fedora? He's got hat. a cape. He's got a cape and wears a hat. Not the shadow. Nope, because the oh. shadow is not a member of uh, DC okay. Comics. Okay. Oh, not a, okay. Sorry. Wait, there was a DC Comics by Howard Chaykin that was a. Uh, remember was a they DC bought comics. There was also Mike uh, Kaluta. Or, uh, they they uh, bought they bought Atlas Comics, so they own those characters. Okay, fair that enough. was what that was what. But he's still never joined. So he the is Justice he League. is actually a DC character. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. He's owned, but you know. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, he man also because that's also how the question comic. became a member of DC, right? Wasn't he originally an Atlas Comics uh, character? Charlton. Char- Charlton. Oh, I'm sorry, Charlton. Oh, it's Charlton they bought. I was thinking of Atlas, but uh, But Charlton. yeah, they did have a anyway. shadow comic. Yes, they did. Anywho. It was quite uh, good. Kyle Baker did it as well, and it was a mm-hmm. very different comic, but quite entertaining still. Yeah. I enjoyed the uh, hard ticket one. Yeah. Sounds like you're dodging the uh, question. I am dodging the question. Let me just think here. Okay, he wears a hat. Yeah. Uh, smokes the... a big black cigar. Has a uh, big black mustache. No, no, neither. Let me see now. He's, I'll say he's got white hat? hair. He's got pure white hair. Pure white hair. Pure white hair. Uh, and uh, joined the Justice League in the 70s. Joined the Justice League Occasionally has had his own comic, but rarely. Rarely has his own comic. It's the a big black and mustache. Character. Go with that as well. Magical character. Yeah. Oh, uh, is it Merlin? 
Stop, Merlin. I'm going to turn over all the cards. Turn over all the cards, please. Uh, the Phantom Stranger. The Phantom... How did I not know that? Phantom Stranger is actually Judas. You might think <laughs> he's in the lowest part of hell, but he's not. He's, he's not. fighting crime with Superman. What happened when he... You know, in one of the uh, one of the uh, apocalyptic gospels, one of the non, non-canonical gospels... Where he fights apocalypse. There's a part where Judas... Uh, I can't remember what happens, but he... He falls or whatever, and he like he, but he swells up so big that he blocks an alleyway. Oh, until I think I can't remember what happens. I don't know if he explodes or something. This is a really weird thing in one of these one of these weird uh, later gospels. Anyhow, um, all right. So here's a question I've got for you this. Got a question? Good. It question. regards if you do work. Mm-hmm. This question regarding your work. And it sounds like yeah. a lot of you work. Yeah. Um. Uh. When your work day is over, is your work day over, or mm-hmm. do you have to bring your work home with you? Mm. You know, how much of your work do you have to do at home? And you can also just let us know, what's your work day like? Like, as in, like, when do you start? When do you finish? And do you finish, or do you have to bring your work home with you? Okay. All right. Like, Dave, do you bring your work home with you? I generally don't. I have on a couple of occasions. But for me, even though I do work long hours and I am dedicated, when I walk out the door, I don't even think about work. Yeah, you throw a match behind you and burn the place to the ground. Fuck this place. Yeah. Um, No, I... I, um, I, you know, I really, I really don't like to care, take work home, and so I do. I just forget about it when I leave. Okay. I don't think about it. I don't worry about stuff that's I didn't get done that day. I don't even. It's done. It's over with. I know. I, I know. I'll be back early the next day <laughs> trying to get it finished, but but uh, I don't worry about it. Turn that part of your brain off. I just turn. Yeah, I just don't even think about okay. it. It's not important. Do you have a second question? I do. I do. Please. It's kind of a celebration of my my sugar, my my back being back on sugar. Okay. Uh, I was wondering what your favorite flavor of ice cream is. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Okay, let's put it that way. That's a better. That's a better sentence. Yep. More, more grammatically co- correct ish. What like is your it. favorite flavor of ice cream? I like it. Let very, us very know. Much. Let me tell you right now. If you answer licorice, I'm going to send you a star. No, I'm not going to send you a star. <laughs> I'm looking now uh, as uh, uh, what the Baskin Robbins flavors. Are. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm many, many. I'm just curious. Well, there's 31, right? Isn't that what well? But they, 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 like we talked about last time, they cycle them in and out. So you'll come, you come one time, and they'll have like Love Potion number nine, which is a pretty good one. I like it because it has like chocolate hearts in it, and blah blah blah. But, um, but then you'll come back the next time, and it's not there. Okay. There's a few that are always there. They always have their f- French chocolate mousse, which, right. and their Rocky Roads and stuff like that. I'm gonna burn through them right now, real okay. fast, almost as if I'm putting people to sleep. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Here's yeah. what we got. Here's the, yeah. Here are the current flavors of Baskin Robbins. All right, can I comment on them as you go? Yes, yeah, what I'm saying. Like, you should. Okay. Please go yum or yuck. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the featured ice cream yeah. is caramel macchiato. But. Uh, Beaver Tails pastry. Doesn't sound good, but maybe it's good. I don't know. Cherries Jubilee. Love it. Go yuck or yum. Okay. Uh, chocolate. Um, bit of a yuck on, on chocolate. You don't like chocolate? No, I don't like chocolate. I would avoid it in the Neapolitan. Uh, wow. Interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, chocolate chip. Uh, yeah, I guess. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Yeah. Chocolate mousse royale. I don't like chocolate. No, I don't. Okay, I do. I do like. Cause Lisa loves that one, so I, 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 I do like it. Citrus twist. That sounds good. Cookies and cream. Oh, those are good. I was, I was surprised I discovered those were Oreo cookies. Cotton candy. Yuck. Gold metal ribbon. Looks like tiger tail to me, but a gold. Yeah, metal no, ribbon. I don't. It doesn't sound like icing on the cake. So this would be birthday flavor. It sounds like. Sure, sounds good. Jamocha almond fudge. No. Mango Tango. Nope. Maple Walnut. Nope. Maui Brownie Madness Frozen Yogurt. Can I say no? Mint Chocolate Chip. Nope. 
Mom's making cookies. Sure. Uh, non-fat vanilla yogurt. What, whatever. Vanilla. Caramel turtle truffle. Sounds good. Pineapple coconut. No. Nutty coconut. Yeah. Peanut butter and chocolate. Yes. Pistachio almond. You know what? No. Pralines and cream. Um, I guess. Rainbow sherbet. Yep. Rocky Road. Yep. Rum raisin. Nope. Strawberry cheesecake. Nope. Vanilla. Yep. Very, very strawberry. Yep. Wild and reckless sherbet. <laughs> sure. And finally, world class trademark chocolate. Nope. Okay, there we go. <laughs> that was uh you that like, was some, some you like ideas. chocolate ice cream a lot hey what's that you like chocolate ice cream a whole yeah, bunch? i'm okay with it like it's 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 all right yeah yeah but so, i'm surprised to hear like it's not that, one i would choose you seem like a classic fellow you seem like a classic ice cream mm. fellow so that one of the two biggies the two mm. big twos yeah is like a, a nix to you it sounds like you know <laughs> hey do you like superman yeah do you like batman nah it's like <laughs> wow that's odd but i like vanilla and strawberry okay so uh, uh, do you bring your work home with you is question number one. Yeah. And question number two is, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? We will accept, what's your favorite uh, yogurt flavor? We will also accept, what's your favorite non-dairy mm, frozen food flavor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. You'll accept like a sherbet or something. If someone if that's have. that's how you are. Sometimes if that's how you roll. It's the dairy. They can't have the dairy in this day and age. You know what? In this economy, why? Dave, why? with so- trucks costing $100,000... I don't, don't know why used. People, I don't know why everyone hates cows nowadays. Used. Amazing. All right. So please. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Us. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. They would pay me to get the truck. That's not what you would spend for the truck. Uh huh. That's how crazy it is right now. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's stupidly it's, insane. It's bananas. I'm limping along. Oh, my car is limping along right now, but I'm going to keep it limping, limping along. Limping along, singing a song. Like my the head, you know, the headliner, the the cloth, the cloth liner that goes along the the roof of the car. Okay. It's it's starting to descend on me, but I'm gonna hold out. I'm holding out, everyone. Yeah. My car is old, but uh, I'm older. So uh, here's what you do: you want to write to us. Well, listen, you can either email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Now, let me also say this, by the way, about sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. I'm gonna keep saying sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. If you've bought a copy of uh, our new Sparks book, Sparks Future Perfect. From your local uh, bookstore or uh, evil megacorp online or what have you. Uh, and you would like a book plate. Listen, all you got to do is write us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com and give us your address and we'll uh, mail one out to you. It'll be signed by myself. It'll be signed by Dave, who is the colorist. I'm the writer and, and artist Nina Matsumoto. She matters most of all. Yep. So uh, She so puts in the hard hours. Boom, boom, boom. That's all you got to do. Write us there. It takes, takes you in like five minutes to write it. Give us your address. Yeah, I just go, does something happen? Draw something good. That's what I say. And then Nina goes, oh, no. And then I can't talk to my husband for months. And then that's the way it goes. That's the way it happens. Can you draw horses riding bicycles down the stairs, please? 100 horses riding bicycles down the stairs. And then I'll say to Dave, can you color it? And he'll go, I won't use brown because I hate chocolate. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Strong points of view. So you can either write us that a ways or you can go to uh sneakydragon.com and every one of our episodes is there and underneath each of the episodes you will find a message board so you can comment on past episodes you can comment on past shows like totally tintin or uh, full marks or all the other ones go look at that and do the thing it's fun <laughs> uh you go to twitter uh, sneaky underscore dragon with tumblr sneakydragon.tumblr.com yeah it's all ways. You know how to do. What am I saying to you? You know. You know. Anyway, please do buy the book, though. 
And those of you that have, let me say thank you because it is the number three Canadian kids book uh, in our fair country of uh, the great wide north uh, as of this week, which is uh, very, very nice, according to CBC Books. That's great. Yeah. That's Hooray. Good. Huzzah. Tulu Tulay. We are once again beating uh, Robert Munch's The Paper Bag Princess, <laughs> our mortal enemy. Yes, that book that's been around for 30 years. Yeah, boy, that thing is hanging on. That's been around a long time. Yeah, I know. Listen, if we do a fourth book in the Spark series, we are going to uh, bring back our character, Princess, just to confuse things. And she is going to have a paper bag with her the whole damn time. I am not messing around. I know what people like, and that's what we're going to give them. Yeah. Robert Munch, uh, he was addicted to cocaine and, uh, you know, uh, fought that addiction and good on him. Very good. Yeah, well done. That's what that's the underlying um, metaphor in uh, Thomas's snowsuit. Yep, and also, do you know what he said about cocaine? What's that? Uh, he'll like it forever. He'll love it for always. <laughs> but he's going to get off it. So good on him for that. Yep. Hooray. Uh, we're not looking down on anyone who uh, has a problem. So that's not what we're doing. We're making fun of him just because he's a success. And it makes us bitter. Damn bitter. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, please yeah. do buy our book, Sparks Future Perfect. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up this week? You only have an infinity of more shows. <laughs> no, I'm, by, you, by you mentioning that has actually just shut me up entirely. No, it's all fine. Um, yeah, just talk for a little bit. I'm just going to look something up while you do that. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so you can either buy that book or you could buy uh, any of our previous Sparks books. One is called Sparks. One is called Sparks Double Dog Dare. Uh, and one of the nice things about this edition of Sparks is it is, uh, dedicated to, uh, Louie, who is a bird, who is, now this is a weird thing because Nina has married into a family that has a bird. Mm. Her, uh, husband. Yes. Has a bird. Yeah. But I don't know if that Is that the family, him and the bird? Yeah. Okay. So, so I don't know what her relationship legally is then to the bird. Mm. Is she the step bird mum? She's step, yeah, step mum. The step bird mums. Yeah, step, oh, step did bird. Did you ever see that movie, the step bird mums? <laughs> yes. From the 70s? It's terrifying. Creepy. Creepy as hell. You're just like, oh, geez. Polly want uh, some closure on uh, <laughs> on how that all wrapped up. Did you find the thing you were looking for? Are you still looking for? Uh, yeah, I did actually because I, okay. I I was rereading Matt's comment. And I just wanted to say one thing about it before we go. Sure, please do, Matt. That is the no. I'm just going. Um, no, I was just. Well, you said growing up with the Beatles, and and I was just wondering because when I was a kid, but the same thing, right? You love this group, but there was very little to read at that time, or very little that was available. Like the Hunter Hunter Davies book was out of print, so you couldn't like just go to this bookstore and buy it and and i was dumb about libraries like i would go to the library and i would sign out the books that were at the library okay i didn't know you could order books from other places and i never you know i didn't go through I the card catalog either. and stuff right so so yeah because you know we were in like a library system where where we lived and so they could they would share books amongst the different libraries so they would just move them around randomly anyway but but i didn't know that you could like go in and say hey could you bring in this tintin book because i want to read it i didn't know that but anyway so growing up with the beatles was that a book, Matt, written by a guy who was like a fan of the Beatles when he was like a teenager and a sort of like a, a sentimental look back at not not just the Beatles, but also his like teenage years. And I think in the book, he like falls out of love with the Beatles around the time of Rubber Soul mm. because they were changing. They weren't like the fresh faced mop tops. And and the book, I think, came with like a poster in it, but it was a very pink poster. All the guys wearing like these pink shirts with ties, all the Beatles. Anyway, 
Let me know, Matt. I'm just curious. Is it the same book I'm thinking about? Because uh, it's such a weird thing, right? Like, like you can't find books about the Beatles, but you can read like this weird, like oversized memoir of the group by some guy who was like no one. He's not like a famous writer or anything. Is this like yeah. a personal, you know, recounting of his relationship to the Beatles from their time on? This he was American, so from the time on the Ed Sullivan, from their time on the Ed Sullivan Show, to whenever he like kind of jumped off the boat because he was a stick in the mud and didn't want didn't want his uh, Beatles to have long hair. But anyway, that's all I got to say about that. And speaking of uh, uh, sticks in the mud, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the name of the woman who's the plaster caster woman? Cynthia Plastercaster just passed away. Oh, yeah. She would have uh, uh, musicians put their sticks in the mud and <laughs> make, uh, plaster cast. But there, she yes. did other things with her life as well. But that's what she's most famous. She's for most famous for that. Time. Yes, she was yep. a famous groupie who uh, who. Um, uh, worked rock stars up into a lather, and then uh, and then uh, plopped their member into uh, pl- into ca- into plaster. Famously, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix uh, lost a lot of hair when when she took off the, uh, the the cast. She learned from that how to do a little better. Well, that means that we can clone him in the future. <laughs> I guess so. so there we go. There we are. There we are. There we go. I don't feel <laughs> proud about any of this. Uh, but uh, she, you know, there's a fun movie made about her as well. And so good on her. Um, listen, follow your dreams. Who are we to judge? We're not. Yeah. Look at what we do. We do these podcasts. And mm-hmm. There we are. And we do appreciate you listening to them and hope you will be back again next time for another edition of Sneaky Dragon. I've been Ian Boothby. I've been David Dedrick. Stay loose. Stay healthy. Bye. Bye. Silence. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are. So yeah. should I start? If you want. Why not?